Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Marler, I, I think that Cupcake Week needs a rebranding. I think it does. And I, I'm, I'm going to call it I'm Dead Inside Week. I think we should call it Cake Week. Now hear Ooh. me out. Hear me out. Ask any human being. Ask any human being with uh, two eyes, a nose, a mouth. What does Creed always say? Uh, two eyes, one nose, one brain. When he does the, the pitching and that um, the meeting where he has like their go back to the cake. sales thing. All right, go back to the cake. Um, it needs to be rebranded to cake. Everybody loves cake. You think about when you eat cake, the situations in which you eat cake. If you're at an office, breakfast. cake is breakfast. Okay, not on the same page, not quite. Everybody likes cake more than cupcakes. Everybody yeah. that eats cake in an office, they do it to sort of break up from the monotony of the, of the workday. You break up from the grind. That's essentially what this week is. Nobody thinks, ah, oh, I need a little bit of a breather. Uh, I'm going to go have cupcakes in the, in the office. You know, in the, yeah, in the cupcakes are worse. Like that. Don't cake. get me a chore. Yeah, throw stuff away. There's, yeah. no, there's no efficient way to eat it. You can't bake, make your own size for it. I want to make my own big size of cake, my own big piece of cake. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, so, yeah. You know what? This is two years in a row that you have had, I don't want to say fire takes, but very passionate takes mm-hmm. about cupcakes. I like it. Yeah. I, I just think that people like cake more, and I think people would be more excited for cake week. It's celebrated, whereas cupcake is kind of like, yeah, it's there and I'll eat it, but do I feel great about it? No. There's I got to undo the wrapper and mm-mm. it just gets messy. There's no right way to eat a cupcake. No, I'm, I'm not a good eater in general, especially in public, but eating eating a a cupcake for me is like uh parallel parking it's it's gonna take mm-hmm. a lot a lot of thoughts I, I mean i gotta really play this thing out yeah just get out of my way and let me do my thing and yeah don't we'll, make we'll eye contact all, yeah we'll be fine in five minutes from now um just let me do my thing but yes it is cupcake week in the sec Hell we do have a lot to get to it's cake week in the sec that's what we're starting it right now right boom now. everybody in the facebook group get on board cake week so we have a couple of uh, picks and over-unders that we're going to do. Our good friend Peter Burns is going to join us a little bit later on. We're going to record an interview with him later. Uh, we have some playoff rankings reaction. We're also going to do a little SEC coaches stay or go. We're going to talk about which SEC coaches that we, you and I, would fire and which we would keep. I realize All that of them. Certain, certain athletic directors have come out and said, you know, they're going to keep this coach around and they're trying to, they're trying to get ahead of the recruiting cycle and, and make sure that there's no sort of waffling or this is going to come down to the last game. Whatever. We're going to put ourselves in the position of the athletic director and make some big-time decisions. Right. But before we do all of that, like I said, a lot to get to, got to tell you about our friends over at Sweet Hop. The number one ranked LSU Tigers. What a, what a, what a wild sentence in 2019 are set to take on the number four ranked Georgia Bulldogs. This set up to be this is set up to be the game of the year. This is the perfect opportunity to rally your college crew or impress potential clients with an unforgettable experience and a luxury VIP suite at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Finding tickets for this marquee event can seem almost impossible, but not at Sweet Hop. Our friends at Sweet Hop can help set your group up with the ultimate experience in a VIP suite at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Suites comfortably seat groups from 18 to 30 people. Whether you're entertaining clients or bringing your college crew back together to see history in the making and create memories that will last a lifetime, all while enjoying amenities like VIP parking, extra wide seats, extra wide seats, Marler. That's what I'm I, talking about. I don't know why you have to say it like that, but yeah, I like. No, I'm, I'm saying both of us. It's like the like lay down seats. This is what they really need. You're like the lay down seats, like at a movie theater. That's good right. stuff. 
Yeah, it's very underrated to be able to do that. Uh, you got big screen TVs, you got access to premium uh, catering, food and beverage, and no long lines for the restroom. Bottom line, the Sweet Life is the way to go for the 2019 SEC Championship game, and Sweet Hop will get you there. But did you know that Sweet Hop can hook you up with suites and seats in shared suites at other events as well? From concerts and pro sports to supercross and family events, Sweet Hop can upgrade your event experience all across North America, no hidden fees, and our outstanding personal customer service will convince you, personalized by the way, not personal, I don't know where, where that came from, I can't okay. read today. Okay. Um, it, it's gonna convince you that Sweet Hopping is the way to go for all your events. Saturday Down South listeners can take 500 American dollars off. $500. A lot of cash. That's uh, like 70% of my net worth, Connor. That's a, that's a great deal. That's like how much you sold your car for to go to the SEC Championship. Yeah, pretty point. much. Yeah. I wish, yeah. Uh, all you got to do, use that promo code SDS. Head to SweetHop.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com. And use the code SDS for 500 bucks <laughs> off any SEC Championship suite booking. Okay. Guys, I mean, like, again, we can't stress this enough. And this is not this is not a part of the ad read. It's just this is... An incredible opportunity. Being in a suite is so much fun. Yeah, you could do it with clients. You could do it with friends. You could do it just to flex on your haters. Invite them up there and then don't let mm -hmm. them in. Um, you know, these are all just ideas and semantics. You can invite us if you want to. We'd, we'd love to talk about that that possibility. But cannot stress enough how much fun it is to live that life in the suite. I mean, like, where you don't, you just have people waving palm palm trees at, well, not palm trees, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh-huh, palm trees, yep. Waving whole palm trees at you to keep you cool and feeding you grapes the whole time. You don't have to watch the game on the field. You have all the TVs. Moving on. Like Palm Sunday. Shout out Pastor Patty Sue. Boom. Um, so, yeah, and I'm a little bit worried about us going back to general seating for the SEC Championship after we had the I, I can tell you right now Chandler. I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, oh, I'm above whoa. that now. Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm not going to sit with peasants. Um, no, I'm kidding. Bougie. I'm excited to go either way. But, yes, that is going to be a little bit different. Let's get mad about some playoff rankings, shall we? One through seven stayed the same. Believe it or not, that's what happens when Oregon, Utah, and Alabama all face four win teams and win, and you know nothing crazy in terms of the final result happens. I think there were some people who were expecting Alabama to fall off the face of the earth. You probably shouldn't have because, as the playoff selection committee always says, they don't project down the road. All their job is is evaluating Oof. the games that they're able to see. That's it almost hurt say. more that they didn't do that, but go on. Just the little string of hope is just, just sitting there for you. It's, it's not there. It's still there. Um, so the selection committee doesn't have to decide necessarily the marketability of, of Bama without Tua. Didn't have to do it in 2014 without Ohio, without um, uh, JT Miller for Ohio State. Yeah, Braxton Miller and JT Barrett, I guess, for, for Ohio State. Didn't have to make that decision then, let the games do the talking. Um, Rob Mullen said that Alabama's loss was better than Oregon's. And I know there are a lot of people who are like, wait a minute. I thought that losses, that strength of loss didn't mean anything. I know I've been banging that drum forever. Bama's best win is still better than their their best win, too, though. Exactly. And that's that's part of the issue. And I think that, well, I mean, technically actually not in the terms of the playoff rankings because USC is at number 23. Okay, but let's, this is what's so frustrating about it, too. And this is the only thing that I'll get frustrated about because Bama's not getting in. There was nothing that Mullen said yesterday that gave me any kind of positive optimism about Bama getting in. And that's fair, because right. like I've, I've been saying that for a while, and I've, I've been you know kind of expecting it. Um, you know, it, like I, I didn't think they necessarily deserved to with the resume they have, and then now with two out, and and you know five other starters, it, like no one, no one's even bringing that part up, which is like that's that's a lot of people. I actually think you every time that you brought that up, you that's said a good point. Yeah, that, that up. <laughs> that's also as soon as I said it. Yeah, I think you're actually right about that. Um, yeah, my bad. But no, so 
uh, you know, he didn't say anything that gave me any kind of hope that like, because he, he basically just beat her on the bush by saying, yeah, as of this week, they didn't do anything to lose that ranking. Next yeah. week will be different because next week they're playing Western Carolina. The thing that really surprised me and I, and I thought was, you know, they, they did it last week with Indiana. I thought Indiana should have been in the top 25 at 7-2 and two with one of those losses to Ohio Shout State. Shout out my alma mater. That's right. And, and so going into that Penn State game, you don't want to do anybody favors by, you know, throwing in. I don't know if it does them like a disservice by not ranking them as much as it would help Penn State by like, if you put Indiana from like 21 to 25, that helps out. They're, I think they're one of the top 25 teams. I'll just say that. Is that fair? Talking about Indiana? Talking yeah. about. And it, yeah. yeah, and A&M. But I was bothered by the fact that like, that seemed like a, a very reasonable team to have included and also affected so much or so many different teams in the actual rankings. Ohio State, Minnesota, uh, Penn State. I, I was just surprised by that. But this week when they put USC in over over and Iowa State over Texas A and M, I was shocked. I thought that was the biggest gripe, you know, out of all the rankings. Yeah, the, the A and M thing. It's not. It's not really going to matter in the end because A&M, it does. A and M in all likelihood though is going to lose its final two games and it's going to be sitting there at seven and five. And right, but if we're talk talking about like the teams that have earned it, and I know that like, they don't really have like a marquee win, but when you look at USC who's six and four. I mean, I don't say who's six and four, and then in USC who's seven and four. It's like I know they beat Utah, but what bothers me about it is, okay, Oregon, Utah, both have arguably worst, uh, worst resumes and strength of schedule than, than Alabama. They do have a, a lower strength of schedule than, than Alabama, but for them to be able to backdoor the USC thing in, I was just, I was, I was very, very surprised. I was very they, surprised. The A and M thing is, is I think a lot related to yes, they've won four in a row. They've looked better. They still don't have a win against a, a power five team with a winning record. That's that's part of it. Um, what has USC that, done? They beat Utah at home, right? Exactly. Right. So, but like before that, Utah's best win because this is this is just their their worst loss. Their best win is against Arizona State, who was ranked. So they they have a ranked win on their resume. That team is now five and five. Yeah, Utah and Utah is not ranked ahead of Oregon because of that. I'm not right. saying Utah should be ahead of Alabama or anything. No, like that. I know. I'm um, just saying, but like it, it just bothers me that they would, we would give the Pac-12 credit in there. Fair enough. So Herbstreit called Alabama a placeholder, and I think we both agree he's right. Um, he, he is right, and I know David Pollock has tried to bang the drum, and he made the he kept making the, the comparison to the common opponents with with Oregon and Auburn, and what if Bama beats Auburn really badly? And it's like, well, you, the the selection looks at more than one game. It's right. like, it, just, it doesn't just come down to that. <clears throat> um, so, what I think is interesting right now, and not not just the the Bama takes because. Bama stayed the same, and, and we're not really going to know kind of what this path looks like until conference championship weekend is resolved, ultimately. Um, I think I think right now, Ohio State, you shouldn't bury Ohio State with a loss to Penn State this weekend. Right. Based on what we've seen from the selection committee, let's not forget in the first rankings that Ohio State was surprisingly ahead of LSU, and I think that caught a lot of people, ourselves included, off guard. Yeah. I would not totally rule out Ohio State as a one-loss non conference champ because if Ohio State loses to Penn State, right. Penn State would have its would, would be able to, to go to the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State would not be able to. And Penn State like already Kansas has a, a fantastic resume. It, like it, you know the thing with Ohio State is they one, they're gonna have a good resume. If, if they lose to Penn State and then beat Michigan, that still helps them and it kind of gives them a boost. But at the same time, I know we'd say it a lot with Clemson and Bama and kind of getting like the benefit of the doubt with the whole eye test, but I don't think a team has has the committee hasn't been enamored as enamored with any other team as much as they have with Ohio State in that eye test. 
Oh, the eye test is is simple in that Ohio State is like I tweeted first in the country in scoring offense, first in the country in scoring defense. We're going into week thirteen. To be fair, I didn't realize looking at their resume though that they had their their power five opponents are thirty and forty, and that'll play itself out like like we already said. Exactly. But I was just I was kind of surprised that they that hasn't been brought up at all. Not like I still think they're one of the best teams in the country. I was just I'm just surprised. That's all. It hasn't been brought up because they also have the Cincinnati win, the dominant Cincinnati win, and Cincinnati is still sitting there with one loss in the right. top 25. I'm not saying that that's the same thing. Like I said, we got into a discussion before about I didn't like that the selection committee basically said, like, oh, LSU going on the road to Texas didn't is matter. not as good as Ohio State beating Cincinnati at home. Who like, was unranked? Who strange. was unranked at the time? Right, right, and it is now ranked. I, th- yeah. I, I try and look at current rankings as much as possible. I, I think that that tells a little bit of the story. I realize that teams can be different at times that you play them. Playing Tennessee right, right now as opposed to playing them in week two is just a totally different yeah. story. But I, I think that these things are still going to play themselves out. But I'll be interested to see what that's like for Ohio State because I realize, and we're going to get to a little bit more of Ohio State talk later, a little, little teaser for you. Oh boy. I realize that they're an 18-point favorite against Penn State. I would... Totally not rule that. I know you've been high on Ohio State, betting on Ohio State all year, but I would totally not rule that as an automatic win against this very good Penn State. Yeah, team. well, and also the fact that they've only played one team with a winning record in the la- since September 21st, which is again, Ohio State is easily one of the best four teams in the country. I'm just surprised. It'll be interesting to see with that much, uh, you know, lack of competition for the past two months outside of the Wisconsin game. It'll it'll be interesting yeah. to see because because Penn State is battle tested, you know, as much as anybody in the country. Yeah, Penn State does have the quality wins, and Penn State would absolutely have a path, obviously, as a one-loss conference champ. Let's. You want to guess the field? I did this the other day. The and final was, field? Um, yeah, the final field. What we think is going to look like. Based on what we've seen from the selection committee so far, we're kind of... I think we're kind of at like the halfway point through this process in terms of seeing the well, how the selection committee you know values these things, and I think that right now we feel like we have a, a decent idea of how this could potentially play out. Obviously, that could all go up in smoke this weekend, but... You want to kind of guess what we think the field is going to look like? Well, since Tua went down, and I can tell that uh, this is obviously not my year, I'm assuming Utah is going to get in to prove me right in my preseason <laughs> prediction. No, um, so I've been saying for a while now that Oregon is a top five team, um, and when I say that, nobody brings up the fact that Bama had injuries. Every time I say that, I'm, I'm kidding. You bring it up, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but like, so I think Oregon, especially if they went out, I think they'd be very deserving. They they don't. They closed, I brought this up last week, them and Utah both closed with a very, very easy, easy uh, schedule before they get to the Pac-12 championship. For some reason, and I was surprised they were only at nine last night, I just feel like Oklahoma is going to have the better resume and they're going to get in at the very end. Because they they still have a chance to play two more ranked teams and in a conference championship game, I mean, what, what does this look? Don't tell anybody that Oklahoma has a better resume than Bama right now. Don't tell anybody that. They, they, they absolutely do, in my opinion. And I knew, but at the same time, like, I knew the selection committee wasn't going to move Oklahoma all the way up to number They have five a lower strength of schedule. I know. I'm saying in terms of more quality wins, they now have two wins against teams that are currently ranked in the top 25 with the one uh, also to Iowa State as well, what they did over the The 6-4 team Oregon that snuck so. in. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. They have their, their margin of victory against Power 5 teams. Like, the, the metrics that I look at, and, and and I think have a have a lot of weight in this. Like Oklahoma has as a little bit of a better resume than than one was suggesting. Like you said, two as well. Not they're, to they're, not to project down the road. Go their uh, average margin of victory is, is a touchdown less than Bama's. 
Right, right, yeah. It's a touchdown less than Bama's. That's the only thing that they don't have working in their in their favor yeah. against the Bama argument. I don't know. I mean, I think um, I think they'll be fine either way. That, I think that's also a feel good story that like the committee's gonna look at. Like maybe a feel good story is not the best way to put it. But when you have a potential Heisman candidate, that's you know they're more inclined to to include somebody like that for the star power. I I don't know because I mean the Heisman stuff's gonna be Heisman stuff's gonna be all but decided by then. Like we're we're gonna know pretty much like who's gonna win. No, I'm just saying it's but it's like a marquee. Like I I I don't think Bama was gonna get in anyway. But like having a backup quarterback, having somebody like Mac Jones, or you know, um, I'm trying to think of a better example here because I, I think having these big they brought up Chase Young immediately that very first week, and I just think that having like star power for for teams goes a long way with them. Yeah, I mean, I think it does to a certain extent. I don't know how much how much it's ultimately gonna matter. I think that. I, I kind of tend to think that that's not going to be the thing that pushes one team over the edge of another of like, right. oh, this team has Justin Herbert, and he's a household name, and that makes more sense. Like, I know people brought up in 2014, Ohio State was more of a, a brand name than Baylor and TCU. Yeah, but... I'm just saying it, it makes him more legitimate. That, that's all. Yeah, I mean, public favor also probably tends to favor that subconsciously or not. I think that the field, my guess, if I'm predicting right now today based on what we've seen from the selection committee, what we can project down the road... I would guess that LSU is going to be in there at the one seed. I would have Ohio State at two, Clemson at three, and Oregon at four. And I realize that's kind of the boring, chalky answer at this point of the year. But I, I just think I, I still, you know, we, we've disagreed on on the LSU-Georgia thing so far. Because I know your bowl projections suggested at first that you're going to have uh, Georgia getting into the playoff. I which hate would bowl projections so much. LSU. Bowl projections are a nightmare. Yeah. You, you do the Lord's <laughs> work by doing those. Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't disagree with this. And I, this is something... That like I think would be fair. It'd be hard to argue against Oregon because so much of this is based off of it, it's not like week to week, and they you know they completely forget about your, like your body of work throughout the season. But Oregon being able to finish by beating a, a top ten team in Utah, and, and Utah is a, a very underrated team. Like they are ranking the top ten in offensive and defensive efficiency. Like on ESPN, they have they have the number one uh, rush defense in the entire country. They they've been a lot better than I think people have care to pay attention to is that they're a little that, bit of west they're a little bit of like west uh like the western version of georgia yeah that, that's a that good i mean they have a dominant game? defense like they're a yep. good football team and in that game they lost too against usc and i know this because i was gambling on them and had picked them in the, <laughs> in the playoff um they were missing several key contributors and like a starting running back and all that i i just have a feeling that oklahoma finishing against oklahoma state you know, in in like a pretty not I don't say a marquee rivalry, but a bigger rivalry, uh, and and they're currently ranked right now. They're not going to lose to West Virginia, so they're gonna. That's only going to you know help out Oklahoma's resume after they beat them. I'm assuming. And then the way the Big Twelve Championship works is it's just the top two teams. So assuming that's Baylor, probably Baylor. That's the issue, though. Right. They, they just beat them saw again. how they they just saw how they evaluated that win on the road at Baylor. That's true, and it's also they haven't given any kind of credit to Baylor. So that's a that's that's a really good point. That's why I think that's why I think Oregon would have the the leg up potentially, and I think that Oklahoma would theoretically yeah. need some help. Another Oregon loss, another Utah loss, something and you know, like that's getting their way. We joke around about how the fact that like the Pac-12 plays this this Friday night championship that nobody pays attention to. Gosh, that's the and worst. now, but now you got a Friday night. You're the only. You're the only big brand that entire day you have the the entire i don't know if you'll have the entire nation's attention but it finally matters it's not like i feel like usually it's like some 11 and 1 team versus like an 8 and 4 stanford yeah like uh well no a two loss team two loss sure yeah that's the pac-12 way because they're not playing for a playoff berth usually right yes i mean i I think that uh i don't i think tickets were like 21 bucks last year i would say o'clock local time right i would say i think ohio state has a chance to to possibly jump lsu um 
I wouldn't rule that out. Because it's just the way that their schedule is going to close. They, they could potentially have three top 15 wins in a row uh, to close out the year. And then you have Clemson. They have a, they could possibly drop, to be honest. like They, they have two games left. Uh, who, who are they going to play in the ACC championship game? Oh, do not sleep on Virginia Tech. Climbing. They're like six and four, like seven and three, right? Yeah. Ugh, anyway, <laughs> so I, I think LSU is is in no matter what. Um, that four spot, man. Georgia has the pot, they have the potential to, to just ruin everything for everyone. They do. They have the potential to give the two team SEC bid, which would, uh, in my opinion, expedite the the eight team playoff. That that's that's what I think would ultimately be the result of that. The cause and effect of Georgia winning an SEC championship game. And the teams that it could potentially block, the the uh, potential butterfly effect of something like that could right. be very, very significant. It could be one of the things that we look back on in the 21st century as like a marquee watershed moment of like, did this? It was this the thing that prompted us to go to the 18 playoff? Yeah. Something like that definitely could. And, and um, I, I want to say, I want to ask one question for you. Like, one, do you think that the Big Ten could possibly get two teams in? Because yes. I don't think that's that far fetched. No, it's not. Feinbaum even said it. That's how not yeah. far-fetched it is. Feinbaum went on Get Up and said it. I tweeted that this morning, and I think that right now the, the scenario for that to happen is, is obvious. I mean, it's Ohio State losing a very hard-fought down-to-the-wire game against a really good Penn State team, and then Penn State looking the part down the stretch. And then you're right. if you're sitting there thinking, oh, man, like, you know, Ohio State... Why, who's to say Ohio State should be left out if they if they also you know look the part against Michigan and dominate that game? They would have potentially three wins against current top twenty five teams, and they'd have a much better case as a non conference champ one loss team than Alabama would. Yeah, I mean I think that's that's obvious at this point given how and dominant they've been as well. That's a perfect segue because I'm going to say something, and and I don't think it's going to be received well, but but I'm just being honest and being objective. If you're a Bama fan, like think think this through. What I'm having a hard like I, I've just been admittedly bummed that there's like, all right, this season's going to end without going to the playoff because they've never not gone to the playoff. They've been in the national championship the past four years in a row. However, you know, I want, I want to pull for my team and, and hope they, <clears throat> hope they, they get in somehow. But at the same time, I know you're going with this. And I, I don't like know if I would, I, I don't, I want, I don't think they would be with, with the state of the program now with, with having six starters out now at this point, you know, they talk about Mississippi state. They started four of the, of the, the front six because they were nickel um, were true freshmen. And then you lose two more starters after that with Raquan Davis and, and DJ Dale. I don't think that this team as, as decimated they are with injuries is honestly one of the top four teams in the country and I don't know if I would want to see that team go into the playoff and potentially get boat raced again by by three teams that I think are, are pretty elite and maybe even Georgia and 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 I think this sounds weird but I think in the long run that could almost do more damage to the program and the public perception of of how how much the committee would just get ripped for that like college football as a whole if if Bama found a way to get into the field and then that happened I don't know what would be worse if Bama got into the field and just got boat raced, or if Bama went and won a national championship again and did right. something like it did in 2017. Like, I mean, both are pretty like, bad scenarios. The, I guarantee you, those same people though come come April are going to be like, "How did this team underachieve so much when they have like seven first rounders?" Because I mean, like there is there is talent. That's going to be said, yeah. But it's it you know it's it's really yeah. I just don't th- I don't think it's a path, man. Can you name the three playoff contenders who have zero wins against current playoff top 25 teams? There's yeah. three teams. Bama. Um, wait, the three. You said three contenders. There are three playoff contenders. Current playoff. Clemson. Contenders. Zero wins. Bama. It's current top twenty. Um, yep. Clemson. Bama. And then who is it? Who would the last one be? It would be uh, 
It's not Minnesota. It's, We're just talking about. Is them. it Baylor? No, Utah. Utah, yeah. Well, no, because yeah. they, they. Oh yeah, they lost to USC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, oh, God, don't get me started on Utah. I don't. Whatever. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. Let's talk about another fun topic of of conversation uh, this time of year. The coaching carousel in the SEC is shaping up to be really, really interesting. And, and I think that we're, we're seeing some athletic directors who have already come out and given their, their coach a vote of confidence. So and then went behind their back and asked how to, how to – just Googled how to fire somebody. What up, South Carolina? Um, gosh, what a mess that was on Monday night. Um, so I don't want to necessarily predict which coaches I think are going to stay, which coaches right. I think are going to go. I want us to go in the in the the shoes of the athletic directors and try Rock and figure course. out what is the exactly. Let's let's figure out the best course of action. We're, we are trying to build a winner at our respective program. So there's six teams that we're going to look at, and six coaches in particular will lay out their buyouts, the situations that are that that they're you know kind of in play that could determine their future and whatnot. And we'll kind of break down whether or not we think that they should stay or go. So let's start with a guy that you are very fond of. Who, who's I'm that? Matt, I'm talking about Matt Luke. You talking about Matt Luke? about Matt Luke, Ole Miss head football coach, who in the hell decided that he deserved $6.5 million? Yeah, I swear to God, you could probably, if if you told him today, listen, you're not right for this job, we're going to give you like a, a brand new Ford Raptor and and you get like a year supply of Chick-fil-A, you'd be like, yeah, all right, that's fine. Sorry, sorry guys. This is one of those moments where you're going to be like, oh, I didn't realize that. Um, in Mississippi for public employees, you are owed the remainder of your contract as the buyout. So that $6.5 million is just the two years that would be left on his current deal for his buyout. That's why the buyout is $6.5 million. That is That's outrageous. It, it's actually not because he's at the bottom of the SEC in terms of annual contracts. So that's just what he would he would. No, I, I get I get the like the logistics of it. I'm just saying like I, I am shocked. Like just, That number next to his name is shocking. More outrageous is the fact that if Ole Miss fired him, which I realize that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Ole Miss is currently dealing with an interim athletic director. But the buyout would actually be closer to like $12 bucks because when you consider that the offseason hires of Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre Twelve million bucks is is a is a hefty buyout sum to pay when you knew you knew this team was young, you knew that the division was going to be really tough this year. And like I, I, it's so cliche, it's so cliche, and I hate to keep bringing it up. This team is better than its record. So I think Ole Miss. They have a lot I'm of injuries. In- no one ever talks about the injuries. <laughs> no, I mean I, I, I think that's true. I mean you know I tell you what guys, it's first year first year we've been able to go into into a family's home and be able to talk to them about you know like you, you can come to Ole Miss and be proud. You know, there, there's no sanctions. Matt Luke. The cloud. Where's the cloud? It's not above the program right. anymore. That's what he was saying the entire offseason. Um, yeah, so I, I ultimately, if I'm if I'm making the decision on Matt Luke, and I realize Ole Miss fans hate me for saying this, a lot of them are ready to be done with Matt Luke. I am keeping Matt Luke around for another year, and I'm trying to see what Rich Rod and John Rice Plumley can do with another year together because it's starting to look a little bit special. I realize that's, that's yeah. a little bit of a heat of the moment thing coming off the LSU game. But tell me you're not excited about the prospect of that for another year. And if you fire, if you fire Matt Luke, that goes up in smoke. That does. Rich Rod, Rich Rod and John Rice Plumley, this and just Rich Rod in general, he is he is like I feel like every in like your twenties, every friend group, like big circle of friends, there's always that one couple that was like miserable together, like super toxic, but they've been dating since like college. So like if you guys went out drinking, there was like a ninety five percent chance that it was gonna end in like tears and then like 
I don't know, screaming out in public. And then when it didn't, you're kind of like, oh, oh what's wow, up with you guys they just ran for 402 yards. Um, no, I mean, like that is exactly what Rich Rod is. Like Rich Rod, you know, he might do something nice for you. He might he might go take you up to Old Navy and and buy you some new clothes. But he also might leave that Old Navy with like grabbing the back of your arm and just publicly berating you. Not bitter at all about the the Bama thing, are you? No, and wait, him not going to Bama? No, it's the best thing that ever happened in that program. I'm just saying he's crazy. He like he just blows up. I thought last week they they looked good, and he was just like losing his mat his mind. He's fired up. He's happy. Um, yeah, so I, I'd run it back with Matt Luke, and I realized that that Ole Miss fans are ready to move on. They want to see what the the open market looks like for for their head coach. But let's move on to Mizzou. A guy that I did not think we'd be talking about at this light at the end of the year. We were in the in the midseason, how have the coaches performed rankings that we did? What? Yeah. We were arguing for Barry Odom as a top five coach in the SEC. We did? We did. Ooh. Go back and listen to the I don't want to. Yeah. That sounds ooh. I wish you didn't bring that up. In our defense, he had him on the cusp of a of a top twenty-five ranking. And right after Mizzou got that top twenty-five ranking, it proceeded to puke on its shoes for the next month and a half. Yeah, something's so, wrong. Something's like going on that, that we don't know about. Probably injuries. Yeah, it's, probably injuries. It's probably injuries. Nobody ever brings that up. No one ever does. Um, I would part ways with Perio. I, I really would. And he's got a $1 million buyout according to the USA database that keeps track of all these things, which is crazy in this day and age. That crazy really is. a $1 million buyout. Um, I would gladly eat that if I'm Jim Sterk and I would say, you know what? I've seen now for four years you have had Drew Locke, the single-season SEC t- passing touchdown record holder, and Callie Bryant. Weeks. And you have, oh yeah, until Joe Burrow breaks that, which is going to be a really big deal. People are going to celebrate that. You've had Drew Locke and Kelly Bryan as your quarterbacks. You're a defensive-minded head coach, and your best win to date, your only marquee victory to date, is the win that you had against Florida last, last year. year. Um, and you are sitting here at 5-5, five and five fighting for bowl eligibility for a team that we thought could maybe win nine games. And... I realize that you're a Mizzou guy, and you you know you brought the program closer together, and you, it could have easily folded back when the NCAA bowl ban came down, all that stuff. But I'm thinking about the fact that I got a $98 million stadium renovation, and I got to fill some seats. And if I have a fan base who thinks that this ceiling for the program is mediocrity, I am in trouble. And that's what it is right now. And if Oof. you're Mizzou, I, I got to think that there are better options. Immediately. Out there. And I tell you what, listen, M- Mizzou, and this is not an insult, this is just facts. Mizzou is first and foremost a basketball school. Um, so there's no, re- and, and also it's journalism school. It is also true. It is also hands down the smartest and most logical fan base out of any, any team in the SEC. Ooh, shots fired at TJ Mo. No, that's what it's logical. What are you talking about? Oh yeah. I forgot what he said. Anyway, um, this, the th- stuff with Barry Odom, like there's just no looking at it from, from just like, you know, an intelligent point of view, a million dollars, not a lot of money at all. And, and, you know, what I would be most frustrated with is there's no consistency ever with this program, it seems like. You know what I mean? Like, you know, last year, you can say whatever you want to because the Emmanuel Hall was out for, and they were kind of a different team with that. And But, like, he was in the in the East. Dan Mullen is only in his second year. The East has been down for, like, you don't have to compete with teams like Tennessee, like, when they're, like, at their, their you know, peak. Like, Kentucky was good last year, sure. But, like, you, you had a really good opportunity to take advantage of that. And it seems like it's not just like, oh, man, well, there's one game that he somehow just, you know, they just didn't show up for and they got beat. No, it's like a full month. It's a full month. It's just a different month every year. You know what Mizzou is like? It's like, a, you know, when you go to a theme park and you see the, the little kitty roller coasters? You're like, oh, that's cute. Like, the, you know, the high, it's, it's, a, it's technically a roller coaster, but then you're like, ah, the highs aren't really that high. And you kind of think about yeah. it. And 
Mizzou's highs are what beating beating Florida, beating five teams in a row that you know they they essentially pay right. a million bucks to come in and beat, or they you know beat up on Vandy or whoever. That's essentially what Mizzou has become, yeah. and the highs are really not that high. Meanwhile, Georgia and, and Florida and Bama are sitting over there like Snoop riding this roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. Well, like and, riding and raging bull at Six Flags. That is a very good analogy of that. And, and he's not like the roller coaster. He's like you know like the old seventy year old worker Hank that they don't want to get rid of, but nobody wants to ride the ride because of him. Like, well, we can't. Oh, the get, Carney Hank. He's, yeah. yeah, he's been here for way too long. I mean, we can't tell him to go. He, he was born here, man. He's Mizzou through and through. No, he's got to go. Hank, take your 20 bucks and go home. All right, let's go on to a guy that, yes, I'm admittedly biased Fire. about. I am admittedly biased about my guy, Joe, Joe Moorhead. I'm going to say stay, and, I'm gonna, and I've been critical of him this year. You know I have been. And you I've said been, one thing. I've been saying, no, I said, I said the ultimate, I'm beginning to question you as a head coach of, I'm wondering if he is more suited as a coordinator than a head coach, which is kind of like the ultimate hey, I really don't think that you're cut out for this type of statement to make. Just throwing it out there. So I would justify keeping Joe Moorhead for another year, despite the fact that Mississippi State fans want him gone. I get it. You're frustrated with the lack of offense. That's what I keep coming back to. It is only two years. Despite the fact that John Cohen was super, super awkward when he went on Feinbaum, and there's the Rutgers stuff that's floating out there. I don't think Joe Moorhead is quitting on this program. I think he's too proud to do that. I think he's got a little bit too much of an ego to just all of a sudden be like, yeah. yep, two years down here? No, I'm going to walk away. I don't think he's going to do that. That's a lot of money, $9.5 million buyout, to pay somebody after two years when Mississippi State hasn't been a dumpster fire. I mean, you think about the programs that are paying $10 million buyouts. Arkansas just paid a $10 million buyout. Yeah, they have bats in their stadium, but whatever. I mean, it happens. Like you know, you got At least they're entertaining. I mean, I think what you said just hit the nail on the head about about uh, Morehead having. I don't want to say ego, but like being a little bit stubborn and like you know, kind of just a man of conviction. Like he's not going to quit. But I, no, he's I, not. I, I bet if you if you asked him honestly, if you had truth serum, Joe Morehead, he would probably tell you he he is not thrilled with his choice to come down here because you know the SEC. I don't feel like it's for everyone, and and you know. You, I brought this up last year to you. I was like, listen, this program has been consistently under this ceiling of like eight or nine wins their entire history. And it's not saying they can't break through that, but like you're coming into the toughest division in all of college football. Ole Miss is getting better. Mississippi State's a tough draw, man. And you walked into a situation where you had three three uh, defensive players get drafted. You had, you had the best defense statistically in the country last year. Three, three, in, the, three in the first round. Never, yeah. never I, happened before in program history. I don't think that he would regret so much his decision to come down here. I think he would regret some of the decisions that he's made since he's been down here. Like what? I, I think that's fair. I think that the overconfidence that he had in this offense to think that he was going to come in and run his offense where he had a very, very different set of circumstances yeah. surrounding the receivers that he had at Mississippi exactly. State. Go compare the, the receivers at Mississippi State to what he had at Penn State and how confident he was working with them. The quarterback obviously was drastically different, even though everybody was making the Trace McSorley, Nick Fitzgerald comps. And one that comps that we were making, you go back and you look at the deep ball production, it's not even close. So it's bad. night and day. And there are, there are some things that I think Joe Moorhead wishes he could have back without a doubt. He'd be the first person to admit that. Coming down here, though, like trying to prove himself as a head coach, somebody who's been working at this for, for a while and trying to prove himself as an offensive mind, I don't think that he would necessarily have that type of regret. I think that he, more than anybody, would know that going into year three next year, he's going to be on every hot seat list. Right. He knows he's coaching for his job. But to pay him $9.5 million 
to not coach yeah. after two years when you have you still have a chance if you're Mississippi State to win a couple games. They're going to beat Abilene Christian. They're going to have a chance to beat Ole Miss. We'll talk about that game later. But you're still going to have a chance to win six, potentially seven games here. And you're looking at a coach who could be sitting at eight, an eight-win season then a seven-win season at Mississippi State in his first two years, which wouldn't be it, like, Everyone should have more than two up. years, man. Every, every coach should have more than two years. What about Willie Taggart? Yes. Chad Morris. Yes. I still say, like, it, that is crazy. No, I, I mean, but like... That is an, that's an unreasonable amount of time to, to get things turned around. And I think, too, the assumption, and I was guilty of this, too, is assuming, and I'm not justifying the performance. Like, he's been bad. I, I, I've been critical of Mississippi State. Like, it has not worked out. But assuming that the transition between Dan Mullen's offense and Joe Moorhead's offense was just going to be seamless, I assumed that it was going to be much easier than it was, and it has not been that. It's, it is going to take... It's going to take another year for him to be able yeah. to, to get this offense in place. The way I, I kind of wish he would get fired just so he would reality. be on TV because he'd be great. He'd be a great color guy. All right. He would be great on TV. Or we could just have him on all the time. And we could just be buddies and we could go, you okay, know, now random places in Orlando together. All right. Derek Mason gets the vote of confidence Keep from him, Malcolm Turner. He's, he's so valuable. You can tell We're going to agree to disagree on this. We're going to agree to disagree on this. I said go. I would be parting ways with Derek Mason at this point. And there are a couple things that I look at. I like Derek Mason a lot. I like every time he speaks, yeah. I find myself incredibly engaged. I tend to think that if you're going to succeed at Vandy, I look at the type of candidates who would be available, and I want somebody with his energy, his enthusiasm, all those things. I get that. If I'm looking at this season as a whole, where I had essentially the best group of skill players coming back that I've had in a long Program time, history. you're sitting there with two wins, four straight home games, that Vandy has not hit 25,000 in paid attendance. That is oh, that's not surprising terrible. To me. That is horrible. And it, I, I get that, you know, you're in Nashville. you got a lot of other things to do. That is a, just such a bad number. The stadium for holds like 40,000 people. Like just, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not like that, tickets but... are going to be super expensive. It, you know, they've just been so terrible. Like just in, in you know, we talk about the Chad Morrison. He gets blown up by Western Kentucky. He's gone I, you, you can't say that he saved his job by beating Mizzou because Mizzou is not a very good football team. But, I mean, like, you know, his numbers from Derek Mason specifically are awful. 3-19 and 19 against the SC East, uh, you know, in their last 22 games. Like, you know, or I think on the road at least. He's, he's been very bad. There's no improvement. It, and, again, this comes down to, like, what, what is the ceiling on the program? What are the expectations? It's year six. It's year six? Yeah, it's year six of this thing. It's not like year three, year four. I mean, he's still trying to build it up. Like to me, if and and I I believe that a lot of people like to listen. They're very engaged by yeah. what he has to say. But if your team is looking like this, where you're 120th in the country at defending the run, you're a defensive-minded coach. How is your team giving up on you like this? Because that's what it looks like. They've given up. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. It, it's I mean. Honestly, this team has been one of the – we joke around about Rutgers and, and, and how bad Maryland is, and, and I think Vandy and Arkansas are both – both like at least with the CBS, you know, they rank 1 through 30 in the FBS. They're, they're both down there. And, and this Vandy thing, again, you bring up the skill position players, I don't know how it gets better. Because, uh, you know, you're not going to bring in four- and five-star recruits. Yeah, how are they getting better next year? Yeah, he, he's gotten a, a pass for, for so many things that we are critical of, of, of other coaches. Like the Joe Moore thing about his offense – I mean, Derek Mason's a defensive guy. Yeah. Defensive guy, and the defense has just been atrocious this year. We don't know what the buyout is because it's a private university. Don't know, I can't imagine it's that much despite the fact that he got a contract extension last year, and there was 
we don't know if it was Malcolm Turner who was actually in charge of that extension because he came on board shortly after that was announced. We yeah. don't know if he was involved in those negotiations. So kind of a weird factor at play he, there. I mean, he but, did beat Tennessee three years in a row, which is big. Yeah, that's noteworthy. Don't get me wrong. That's that's absolutely noteworthy. I just question where the, the direction of the program is going and, and how you think that this is all of a sudden just going to get better overnight. I do question that. All right. Will Muschamp. What an interesting week it's been for South Carolina. Man, South Carolina fans, you you might have turned off this team and, and been like, all right, we're done with this year, we're, we're moving on. But you have been plenty entertained by the content that's been coming out. Hearing that your president, uh, you know, your president said that Ray Tanner reached out to Florida State to ask him. Why would he even say that? Holy Tigers buyout. I don't know. I, I I don't know how how that slips out, and you know the. I think the, the publication who, and I'm blanking on the name of the publication who, who came out with this, so I apologize for the quote, but said like, yeah, we're confident with our reporting. We know what, what he said. We go back and we can listen to it. We know that he said that the AD, you know, Ray Tanner, went out and reached reached out to Florida State, which is just a bizarre move you, in every shape and form. I, like, I kept saying, come out. I kept saying yesterday, it's like, it's like that scene from Office Space when like they are asking like that former felon magazine salesman like how to launder money. <laughs> it's like it, it makes it's just ridiculous and i don't understand like there's nothing good could have come out of, of of carlson saying any of this and and by the way why would you go to florida state for advice on anything you know when michael goes downstairs and he's trying to frame toby with drugs yeah warehouse guys yes the two warehouse guys if they have any drugs that is essentially this repeated yeah um it's it's weird and the buyout as we know $19.4 million. That is a crazy, crazy amount of money. And so for that reason, I'm probably holding Pat for another year and saying, you know what? That is a lot of money to pay a guy not to coach after four years. And I'm going to hold out hope that that you know, if year five comes around, I realized the buyout, and I asked uh, my guy Brad Crawford, because I couldn't find this. I looked for this everywhere. If you know the number to this, let, let me know in the Facebook group, 69. not just pure speculation. No, but nice. Okay. Um, what the buyout drops down to if they fire him in 2020. Oh, it's significant. If they fire him after the season. Like how significant it is though. I don't that's, think that's it's half, question. but it's, it's, I want to say it sounds like 11. I think I saw somewhere, but I mean, I don't. this one for me, I've I've agreed with you all year on this. I, I think you're right. Like it's way too much money. And again, what was what was the realistic expectation going into this season, man? Because that schedule was brutal, and they just weren't going to be there. Like if you had said to South Carolina fans before the season started, your your eighth year starting quarterback's going to be out for the season. You're going to battle injuries all year. And by the way, you're playing like arguably the toughest schedule in the entire country. Oh, and by the way, App State they're going to be really good. They're going to be like world beaters. I, I mean, but at the same time, if you're if you have if you, if you can get somebody that you think is is like a game changer, like a big name, like they got Spurrier last time, then it makes sense to maybe look into this because, you know, Mullen, again, being in his second year and the things he's doing at Florida, that's not going away. Georgia, they they are in a position where they could, you know, be a, a elite team, top five nationally for years to come. How far behind are you going to fall if you wait till next year to go seven and five and then fire him then? There's rumblings that South Carolina is essentially trying to do, um, we call this wedding negotiation. I, I've done this before um, where, you know, instead of paying the $19.4 million buyout over the course of the remainder of the contract, they're trying to, they're, that there would be talks, there would be interest in them trying to buy, to get it down to like 12 million bucks or something oh, like I'd that. Oh, I'd be so bad at to that. To say, we'll give, we'll give it to you at a, as a, with a lump sum. Yeah. So like with, with the wedding. Oh, like a lottery? If you say 
Um, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. But like when you pay for stuff for, uh, is that how that works yeah. with the lottery? Like, like well, they, the they'll give you like, like a, a smaller amount, but they'll give it to you all at once. Okay. Yeah. Then I guess exactly like the lottery. And I guess if you get a $12 million buyout, that is pretty much winning the lottery. But yeah, like what we do for paying for a DJ or something like that, if their fee is $1,500, we say, all right, what if we paid $1,200, but we'll pay you in cash all right here, right now. And then Ooh. they'll oftentimes be like, yeah, let's do it. And it's a nice little negotiation tactic. Can South Carolina do something like that and get enough momentum to the point where they would be able to get that money? Or on the flip side, you wait another year and you say, all right, everybody's going to know that Will Muschamp is on the hot seat. It's going to be known from the start of the season. If he doesn't perform up to our level of expectation, your public support is going to be so strong that you're going to be able to get that money. Right. And you're not going to have to worry about that. And you won't necessarily have to justify that. It'll be pretty common knowledge that he's going to be gone. That's the set of circumstances it feels like they're dealing with right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, and, and again, like, Trying to be logical about this, I think he, they're finally getting some facility upgrades. Um, I think he's done a, a lot, lot better, a lot better with like recruiting than anyone's given him credit for. If they, they have a top twenty class set for for next year too. I mean, if they can get this kid out of Hammond, uh, what's his name Birch, like that would be. I don't think they will, but that would be huge. I mean, they, they did a, they got you know a five star last year uh, off the of D line. I can't remember his name right now, but regardless, oh, Zach Evans, I or Zach Pickens, I, I think he's doing a better job with that kind of stuff, which is really important. And he's a, he's a good recruiter. You know, I just I, th- this is such a weird limbo they're caught in because because it's like strange. if you wait an extra year, again like Florida and Georgia aren't going away. Shout out Jimmy Sexton, that buyout man, that's ridiculous, man, unbelievable. Speaking of buyouts, let's end with a guy who's got just the the ever massive buyout. Good old Gus, good old new Gus, sitting there with a buyout of twenty seven million dollars, twenty seven point five. I guess technically. I'm not good at math. Um, I don't think that if I'm I'm sitting there making this decision, I don't think I can pay $27 million to somebody who, let's be honest, they're an Alabama win away from going to their third New Year's Six Bowl in four years. I'm not saying that that's that's the... Yeah, 9-3 and with that win. They would get into a New Year's Six Bowl. Oh, God. Yeah, that would be that would be my prediction. This is based such based a on nightmare. The way that they've been treated throughout this, you know, the selection process, all that stuff. Um, I don't think it necessarily comes down to the Bama game, and I know that's kind of unpopular right now. Oh yeah, I, I think you. That's way too much money. That's way too much money. I, I, I mean, they were considering last year. I, yeah, that's also true. Um, I mean, last year though, they they underwhelmed from from the start. This year, you know, he picked Bo Nix, and Bo Nix is kind of the guy you could put the blame on, to be honest, because you know. I don't think Gus has. This sounds weird because he's not an elite coach, but I don't think he's been necessarily out coached in big games. Like they lost to LSU by three points. You know what I mean? True. Like their their losses are all Kevin good Steele losses, and you have, you have that, a true yeah. freshman uh, court. Yeah, for real, uh, a true freshman quarterback. I just I can already see how this game is going to end. How this season's going to end? It's just going to be with new Gus fighting for his job and just putting it on Bama with all those backups. Um, Really? Dude, that line opened at two and a half. Two and a half. Think about that. Um, I, but for whatever reason, and I have no rumors or reports or any kind of like, you know, actual sources on this. I just have a feeling that he's going to go to Arkansas. I, I don't know. I mean, like, it just, you know what? Like, and why not? Like, what he's doing at Auburn is, you know, he went to a national championship in his first year. He, he definitely has his flaws, but like, go to somewhere like Arkansas where they need kind of like a gimmicky offense and there's not as much pressure. Yeah, I, I could. I 
I mean, I, I understand that from, from Arkansas' standpoint. I don't as much understand that from Gus's standpoint where he can just sit there and collect his $27 million if he goes and decides to be a coordinator somewhere. Yes, yeah, sir. And I think he could he could still make a name for himself. Why put yourself through through that kind of headache when, it, A, you don't need the money. B, you're st- you're going to get hired as a coordinator yeah. somewhere. Somebody will come in and Wait, so he, he doesn't get any of the money if he's a head coach somewhere? I think that that number comes okay. down. I'd have to look into that. That's different with every contract, but there are certain stipulations. Like with the Les Miles thing, yeah. he got the Kansas job where all of a sudden they, they essentially you know were off the, the books for like $6.5 million. And Auburn's still playing, like uh, paying Chiswick too. But by, by the way, Houston Nutt said today that he, he was contacted by Arkansas. Of course Houston Nutt Let's go. I'd be surprised if Houston Nutt didn't say that. That's, that's true, yeah. Hey, man. Let's get Mike Lee Hey, man. <laughs> Let's do some week 13 picks and over-unders. We're only doing three just because, you know what, it's cake week. And not every game for cake week it really requires us Ugh, to sit here and break down and, and, and make picks for. So let's start with the one that's on the bottom right-hand corner of the ESPN ticker probably right just now, Arkansas and LSU. LSU is a 44-point favorite. I predicted it was going to be 42, so pretty close, pretty close. Yeah. Um, LSU coming off of the old Miss game where they just looked like a disaster defensively, still putting up a ton of points, all that. I'm going to say LSU covers minus 44 just because I can't in good conscience, even though Arkansas, you know, they get, they get their interim coach Who's in coaching? there. And, yeah, tight ends coach. That's kind of like a new interim coach move. It's like, let's just bring in the tight ends coach. Does Chavis just not want to hit, like be a head coach ever? He's been a DC for like 30 years. He's got He's a mustache. Like $80 billion. He's got to be taken seriously. Oh, he's got the beard. <clears throat> the beard true. is it's a force. I don't it is a force. I don't know. This game's awful in so many ways. Um I will say that Arkansas has been just absolutely horrible to watch. I don't know how it could get any worse, but I also don't know how it can get any better. Um 44 seems like way too many points. But I, I guess L, I think LSU will come out with something to prove after how bad they looked last week. And by the way, just so we're clear, because I saw this all over Twitter this week. People saying that, like, well, Ole Miss had the number one ranked rushing offense in the SEC. Okay, it was a good – they do. 400 yards of rushing on that defense is oh, unacceptable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they'll take it out on Arkansas. I, I'm going to take that first half money – or that first half uh, spread. Potential big day for Keem Boyd, I think. But still, big day would be like, yeah, scoring Arkansas's two touchdowns. That oh, there's no way they score two touchdowns. No way. Oh, wow. All right, Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take LSU to to cover as well. Um, over under, Joe Burrow second half pass attempts. I set the over under at a lofty three. Yeah, I would say under. I don't think he's gonna be in the second half at all. No, I mean like he, I mean Coach O brought it up. You you even said on last week's pod he, he brought it up before last the last uh, or at like halftime of uh, at halftime. Yeah, yeah. the old Miss. Said he game. wanted to get him out really early in the second half. Yeah, they saw what happened with Tua, all that stuff. I think there's kind of this belief with coaches, and it feels like um, coaches always send their starters out for the first possession of the second yeah. half because if they don't, and if the other team gets off to a really good start, there's always that belief in the back of their mind of like, it's oh, to put them. Yeah. we we just did that to them. Why can't they do that to us? They have just as much time to do it. So if you score in the first possession of the second half, it's like, oh, well, you can't just repeat exactly what we did in the first half, even though like we feel good about that. Does, does that I'll make be sense? honest, I have no idea what you're trying to say right now. I'm trying to say like, okay, so... If you're if you're um, let's say you go to the you go to the halftime you know you're up forty eight to nothing or something like right. that I don't know why I picked forty eight if you're up forty eight to nothing extra point. technically 
The other team, yeah, missed extra point. Uh, this is a Bama game. So the other team has just as much time to do what you just did to them, theoretically. Like the other team, oh, yeah. theoretically. This is a lot of good effort. I, I don't think I don't think it's a good I don't think it's a good right, point. We'll move on. I'm proud of you we'll for good, like diving into it, but <laughs> let's move on to Tennessee Mizzou. Ooh, barn burner. Uh bull eligibility game. Exciting. Very exciting. A couple of five win teams fighting it out. They should uh they should definitely host, hoist some sort of uh like fake bowl eligibility trophy yeah. at the end of this game. I've, I've got a really good so we just I'll save the surprise now. The return of winning and boozing. Not with Tyler Hook, just Ooh. with me. That that is that's gonna happen here shortly. And I will bring that up because th- this game, it's, it's, oh man, it's something. It is something. Wait a minute. So I went through the entire intro and you didn't add in, we've got winning and boozing today. That's true. I didn't even think about Should that. Should we go back and just add that Probably in? Probably so. Winning and boozing. That's what the people are here for, is to me get on rants about booze. Uh, that's probably half the reason. Mizzou was a four-point favorite in this game. Which blows you away. You did not think that Mizzou would be favored by by four. Just, you thought that this was going to be Tennessee line. I feel like when Vegas did this, they were like, yeah, "Sure, yeah, whatever." Like, it's like it's like throwing a five dollar bill to your kid. It's like pulling like on your pocket, like, "Dad, can I have this?" Like, I, yeah, I don't care. Like, whatever. This this line, I don't think there's a lot that goes into it because this is going to be an ugly game. This is going to be a really ugly game. Mizzou has not looked good over the last month. They've been terrible. Like the under is is I think the play here. Derek Dooley said that Mizzou's offense was in uh, football hell, which is always crazy. Yeah, that's not <laughs> something you want to hear. That in I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, Tennessee's covered in, like, four of their last five games, and, and Mizzou's been the total opposite of that. So, Tennessee has turned the corner defensively. I'm taking Tennessee to win outright in this game. I think that they uh, they clinched bowl eligibility in this, and I did not think I'd be talking <laughs> about Tennessee going to a bowl game a month ago. I kept saying they're not going to a bowl, they're not going to a bowl. You know what? Tennessee is going to go into Mizzou and they're going to win that game. I think outright. Uh, I would, I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that. Um, you know, Mizzou has looked a lot better at home than they have on the road, and they are at home. But Tennessee, with that week off, you know, I love me a good week off beforehand. And also, they've been beat fifty to seventeen two years in a row. Like, there's got to be some level of revenge involved. Love it, big revenge oh. game. Uh, speaking of revenge, Barry Odom in the offseason, if you remember. After oh, they had the whole NCAA bowl ban thing that came out, he called out Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt for trying to poach his players, which I, you know, I can see both sides of that argument. How many references to that do you think we get in this game? I set the over-under at 1.5. I'm going to say under because I, I forgot about it, for one. And also, like nobody wants to hear about the 11th and 13th best teams in the SEC like, arguing over recruits. Tennessee is not the 11th best team in the SEC right now. I think I have it seventh in the power rankings. Dang. Yeah. I was just saying Go it for effect, it. Connor. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end with A&M and Georgia, the only two games involving winning teams in the SEC this weekend. Georgia is a 13-and-a-half home favorite. Uncle Chris, we talked about this line. You thought it was going to be a little bit closer to 10. Georgia's getting closer to two touchdowns than one. Do you think that Georgia is able to cover just a, an interesting line at home, given what we've seen from them on offense? I don't. I've been saying this for a while. that I, like The 13-and-a-half, I wish it was a 14-and-a-half. Um, <clears throat> UGA is the better team. They should win the game. But I've been saying this for a while. With coming off of Florida, Mizzou, and Auburn, back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, and then clinching last week, and then knowing what's ahead, I, I just A&M is... I think they're they're a better football team than than their record would show. 
I would say. There we go. Um, you know, Jimbo Fisher, they're 17 and 7 against the spread since he's been uh, at, at AM. I, I mean, Kirby has been has been great, uh, especially as of late. I think they've covered like their last three games. And the defense, as we've discussed, is is I think the best in the country. But yeah, I, I don't I don't see I mean, AM is, is a good enough team to keep it within two touchdowns, right? I would tend to think that maybe I've, I've gone back and forth on this a little bit just because I think and Abs played much better. I think that they've just they they figured things out defensively. I've given Mike Elko a lot of credit for for the job that they've done the last month, being able to sort of ride yeah. out this awkward three and three start, and are they going to lose to Ole Miss? And you know they have to come back win there, but yeah, I think they, they actually keep it a little bit closer. Well, I could see this being a a twenty one to ten type game yeah. where Georgia just doesn't feel great about, but it's a win. And right now, Georgia's just in position where all it needs to do is win and out. refocus too. And uh, you know, like if anybody if anybody knows that whole strategy and formula, it would be Kirby after after you know the years of saving doing that kind of stuff. Um, I will say this too. The under in this game is really interesting because it's 45 and a half. I'm sorry, 44, 45 and a half now. And, and the Damn, spread is still 30. No, what? I think that's I think that's high for this. So game. I think that's high. It's just interesting because the you're basically saying like, is Georgia gonna win 31 to 14? Like th- that because the spread is 13 and a half, 14 and a half. Um what's interesting though is Georgia, because this defense has been absolutely lights out. I'm sorry for the papers shuffling. Georgia and Mizzou actually are two and eight uh, against the uh, against the numbers. Like the the under is eight and two. They have not hit the over in in eight of ten games this season. Uh, them exactly. and Mizzou, that's the second worst uh, in in all of FBS. And A and M in road games, three road games, the under is hit in all three. So I think the under is definitely the play. I agree. Um, this is from Justin <laughs> Lindsay. He gave me this over under I think a week ago on Twitter. Thanks to you, Justin, for pointing this out. How many Gary Danielson references to Alabama are we going to get in this game? Considering the common opponent, considering <clears throat> that Gary Danielson loves bringing up Bama, as we as we often know, um, the whole Saban disciple oh, angle God. as well as at play with this. I set the over under at five point five. Yeah, I would say over. I mean, I mean, it, this is a big game. Like if if A and M can keep this thing close, that would. I mean, we you need chaos. You need chaos, uh, and it's not like a lot of those games, besides maybe last week, that have been you know really really good games outside of of Bam LSU. So I think they're probably praying for a little chaos as well. Do we want to do some winning and booze? Boom! All right, so we'll we'll breeze through this, and I'll post them later on the actual SCS Pod uh, Facebook group. But winning and boozing, uh, we talk about the game, and then I I give you the designated booze of choice for each tailgate. Um, just a heads up, they're never serious, and usually it's just me talking trash about each team. But here we go. Tennessee, Mizzou, you talked about this. Whoever wins is going to clinch a bowl berth. So warm Corbell. Just a warm what's, what's Corbell? champagne. Just, I mean, oh, you can okay. use Andre if you want. Just a warm bottle uh, of Corbell, specifically out of like plastic glassware that you would have at like a GED graduation party or someone's like fifth mm-hmm. wedding. Um, you know, that's, that's at like an American Legion for some reason. Yeah. Um, each of these teams is guaranteed to win next week. So the winner of this game is not only bowl eligible, but they will have the inside track on spending the holidays in either Memphis or Shreveport. Um, technically, there's like a reason to celebrate, but in the same way you would celebrate like that, the fattest kid at camp and heavyweights. Like you won, but you're still like a pretty big disappointment, you know, especially from what happened in the beginning of the season. And I just don't feel like we need to really pop bottles for that. In the same way that we don't need to pop bottles for your aunt's fifth fifth marriage. 
Congrats. There you go. It's hard to find five people that are willing to say they're, they're going to spend their Very life. Very good point. I mean, I think that's an accomplishment. Um, up next, A&M, Georgia. This, is, this one's spot on. Uh, $9 Amstel Lights. Okay, if you don't know what Amstel Lights is, if you're not familiar with it, Amstel Light is what I like to call strip club Bud Light. Uh, it's for people who take themselves um, and their taste in beer like way too seriously, even though it's not great. Like, it, think of people that drink Stella, but instead of wearing Sperry's, they're, they're wearing a lot of V-necks for some reason. That's that's people okay, who drink. Once upon a time, Stella with Sperry's was my go-to on both of those. Yeah, you're, you're not edgy enough for Amstel. Hit a little close <clears throat> to home. Regardless, uh, I guarantee you, you'd see this exact person if you go to Toppers in Athens on Friday or Saturday. Uh, regardless, this booze is perfect uh, because no beer tries harder to convince you that they're an, not just an average, average 4.2% just typical beer as much as Amstel Light. And no two SEC teams have defended their schedule harder than the Aggies and Georgia fans combined. To be fair, this beer is definitely overrated, but only one of these teams is. We'll find out who it is come Saturday afternoon. I'll give you a little hint, just so you know. I would say that paying $9 for a dressed-up Bud Light is ridiculous and almost as ridiculous as paying $75 million guaranteed to someone with like the same level of commitment issues as that girl from uh, 51st Dates. Yikes. Shots fired. Shots Jimbo. fired. Um, last but not least, Arkansas LSU. It is a, uh, a fishbowl or Das Boot of mm-hmm. Long Island iced teas. I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm just going to be honest. If, if you find yourself ordering a Long Island iced tea, you got some questions that need to be addressed in your life because that is just that is a trash trash order. Um, and it, again, like I said, Das Boot. If you're an Arkansas fan, you might as well just drink it out of an actual boot because like there's no standards in this program anymore. Like uh, you, it's you would think it would be rock bottom if you're like chugging a Long Island iced tea out of like an old pair of Timberlands. But I mean, is that worse than losing to Western Kentucky at home in the way they did? I would say not. Uh, Anyway, it's a staple drink for people who hate their livers as much as they hate themselves and or want to drink until they can't feel feelings. Um, you know, you walk to the bar and say, like, what do I want with the drink? I don't know. Just pour a, a shot from every single bottle that's in your well because uh, I don't want to live anymore. And that's honestly, that's for LSU fans. That's for LSU fans. The fishbowl or the boot, that would be for Arkansas fans because if you get a fishbowl, you, you're going to quit like while you're 75% done with it. You know what I mean? You're not going to make it through the mm-hmm. whole thing, which is pretty familiar with, with <laughs> Chad good. Morris. When I was in college, they had two dollar Tuesdays with these like kind of mini pitchers mm-hmm. with with Long Islands, and that's what everybody got. And you could essentially get very very drunk for six dollars. Yeah, if you had three Long Islands in a night, you were like you were usually pretty. Yeah, good. That's, it, it's like a tradition. It's a traditional four loco. There's so much booze, and it's all mm-hmm. they, like the first thing you learned about drinking is like don't mix your liquors. And that's all. That's it all is. it is. And you watch them pour it in there, and you're like, how does this actually taste kind of okay? Not that bad. Right. Um, all right. We're going to come back. We're going to do locks of the week afterwards. We also have an interview with Peter Burns. So let's first cut to our interview with Peter Burns, and then we're going to do locks of the week after that. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It's our good buddy. It's Peter Burns. PB, a lot has changed since we had you on at SEC Media Days. LSU beat Bama, and uh, your wife actually finally had a bet to pay off, so that's that's nice to hear. Um, more importantly, though, yeah, seriously, finally, it took long enough. Uh, y'all had your second kid, and even better, both share a birthday with Saban. Your season of trolling Alabama is in full effect. 
Um, listen, full, full disclosure, it also is uh, LSU basketball coach legend Dale Brown's birthday as well. So, mm-hmm. yes, it was Saban's birthday on Halloween, but I'm going to go Dale Brown as well, too, because I grew up as an LSU basketball fan, like watching Shaquille O'Neal and Chris Jackson and those guys back in the day, Stanley Roberts. So I'm going to say Dale Brown's birthday as well. But, yeah, we're really efficient um, nine months before Halloween, and uh, and sure enough, now we're going to be efficient uh, – <laughs> having, you know, just one Halloween slash birthday party. Like, I'm trying to just keep my party city bill down to a bare minimum. And so far, so good. Goodness. October 31st, the Burns household every year is going to be lit. Lit. Oh, gosh. Lit. Um, Straight fire. Be be honest. Hot fire. (laughs) (laughs) How much have your Fortnite skills uh, taken a hit with baby number two? It actually is not so much the Fortnite skills, it's the golf skills. Like, I literally, today was the first day I've had an opportunity to play since Thomas was born, and my dad was like, that's not the Peter Burns in the golf course I know. Because normally I'm about, a, <laughs> I'm about a two or three handicap, so, you know, occasionally I'll break par, but I'm normally yeah, shooting 74, 75, and I'm hitting shots like, you know, remember shanking chili peppers up Lee Jansen's, you know what, and 10 cup, like that's, that's how <laughs> ugly it was today. I think, I think I, I think I, I, I made like a 15 footer on 18 today to shoot 79, which for me, as long as I've played, there's no reason why I should ever shoot as bad as 79. So uh, th- that is a struggle. Also, I found affinity for just late night snacking. Cause you know, I've got to feed my, I got to oh, yeah. the bottle late. And so now I'm totally in, like, I, I've never done double stuff Oreos, and now I go through, like, a box in, like, a week. So that's the greatest part about being a dad now is I can say, well, you know what? My golf game sucks because i got two kids. Oh, yeah, I put on a couple mm-hmm. of pounds eating Oreos. What? I've got two kids. Like, I mean, that's just, it's the greatest excuse ever is having kids. I'm just, you know, that way you don't have to be really, really great at anything you do anymore. Except Laura Rutledge. Dad, She's really good at what she I've does. I've been practicing that kids, without, so. without kids. Yeah, this true. is true. Laura, yeah. Laura has mastered that somehow and come back and, you know, she's at full strength already reporting on all things to a speaking of Bama. So Marler and yeah. Hester had a bet on LSU Bama that we haven't addressed since it was laid out. But I remembered it. Um, essentially, Marler is going to have to wear a shirt that reps his favorite city in the U.S., which is Shreveport, obviously. Um, can we retroactively come up with a bet for you and Marler and we'll, re- we'll we can rewatch the game like we don't know what's going to happen? Can we do that? Yeah, I'm in for that. Um, you know what? Here's the deal. Like, every time I watch the game – actually, I'm not going to do that. I refuse to do it because every time I go back and I've watched it again, I don't want to watch the second half because when I watch the mm-hmm. second half, I'm thinking, holy hell, Alabama is a good team. And I remember catching hell on Twitter, guys, and um, God, who knows that you can actually upset people on Twitter. I just learned that <laughs> new this week um, that – I came out after that game and I said, listen, uh, while they may not be the most deserving top four, at that point, I was still convinced that Alabama was one of the top four teams in the, in the country. Like, you could not convince me that they wasn't. Like, the ultimate compliment that I could give to, uh, to Alabama was the fact that, as an LSU fan, I wanted absolutely no part of this team to play in the college football playoff again. Like, and I'm not trying to talk them out of it. I'm like, that's how good I think they are. And then, of course, the Tua injury happens, and now you have to calculate everything differently. Yeah, well, this is already my least favorite interview we've ever done. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah it, by but, the way, uh, any, it was, it was punishment. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was punishment enough to be in Athens during that loss. I'll say that. Um, but I'm, I'm, totally, I'm totally game for a bet. 
Regardless, one of the things I love about you most is you're great at your job, obviously, but you're still transparent about being an LSU fan. How special has this season been for you so far? Um, just, again, it, it is, it's weird because all of a sudden I watch games through a different prism, right? Like, you know, I always have to go back and forth about, hey, being an LSU fan versus being the anchor of this network, how do you, you know, maintain being legit at the same time? Hey, just, I'm just a dude. And I've kind of just leaned into it, guys. I mean, again, yeah. I, I think I'm like you, Chris, I'm like you, Connor, like we all grew up as fans and now we're just really lucky that we get an opportunity to be in some part of the media world. And, like, I didn't go to broadcasting school. You know, I didn't go to Syracuse. I didn't go to school of journalism at Missouri. Like, I'm legit a guy that won a radio contest, like, you know, 15 years ago and parlayed it to a little bit opportunity and grew and grew and grew. And so I'm like, why am I trying to be somebody that I'm not? You know, I'm not Dan Rather or Walter Cronkite of sports. I'm Peter Burns, who's living his dream, watching his favorite team have a hell of a year. Um, But, again, at some point, too, I have to make sure that everything I say is is backed up with at least some rationale and reasoning, right? A right. fan can say whatever they want. But, you know, for instance, I've been going back and forth with a lot of Alabama fans going, I just don't see a path for them to the college football playoff. Sorry, Marler. Like, outside of chaos. No, I, I don't either. It. I completely yeah. agree. Right. But, but, but here's the deal. I can say that. And people know me as an LSU fan going, oh, that's because you're an LSU fan, you're a homer, you're talking mm-hmm. bad about Alabama. What it's forced me to do is to make sure that if I believe that, then I need to show my work. You know, right. follow it up with why this is reasonable and why this is the case. I can't just throw out stuff. So and, and if anything, it makes it, it makes it better that I don't troll. Like I troll a whole lot less than I used to <laughs> because I have to make sure that I at least back <laughs> it up with, some semblance of uh, a fact, to say the least. So I got to bring you back down to earth a little bit here. So everybody's talking about the LSU defense right now because when you're number one in the country, you're going to get looked at in a different way. And when you have that kind of performance against Ole Miss, we're going to call you out. And that's just the nature of the beast. Your level of LS, your level of concern for LSU's defense right now on a scale of one to Coach O promising more victories at Bama level confidence is what? Um, I would say, I mean, I think they're, I think they're average. I think it's an average defense. I don't think it's a great defense, obviously, but I don't think it's Oklahoma of last year, right? Like Oklahoma of last year was 120th or something like that. Like it was just, and they didn't have guys. They didn't have any kind of, um, they didn't have the talent nor the scheme nor the want, um, to do it. LSU has the talent. Um, I just think that we look at this defense right now as being, what, 47th in the country. We just compare it to traditional LSU defenses, right? Like, we, we, you know, if you see a product for 20 years and see it in a certain way, and all of a sudden the product doesn't taste the same, or if it's something different, you're like, what in the world is this? Well, you, we just have expected LSU's defense to be fantastic, and I think it's okay. I, like I said, it's average. It's good enough to at least hold a couple of times to where the offense can take over, right? They can put up some monster numbers. So while I'm concerned, is it going to matter against Arkansas? I don't know. I don't think so. Is it going to matter against Georgia? I really don't think so. I think they're good enough of a defense and talented enough and the scheme is good enough to where if it comes down to it, they, they'll keep enough in the game to where LSU's offense can take over. 
I mean, I completely disagree. I mean, you could tell the dynasty's already over after one game. <laughs> it's done. I'll just go ahead yeah. and say it for I just, you. I told um, I told my son. I told my son Marler that I was like, listen, you know, I know you're only three weeks old, and you only live in a world in which LSU beats the heck out of Alabama. But it may not be that way, so enjoy it right now. So I'm glad. I'm glad you're bringing I mean, him back to uh, to earth early. Spoiler. I feel like we just we're in complete like reverse roles here because I mean, like that. I felt like, felt like that was me last year, minus the kid. But ever since I got that damn dog, <laughs> Queso Corgavailoa, Bama has just been a disaster. Yeah. Um, re- all right. Regardless, moving on. I want to hear the unprofessional, honest answer here. Okay. On a scale yeah, of no, one okay, the fan, to so the fan, the fan version of Peter Burns. Got it. Yes, exactly. Um, no logic, no reason, just all fandom. On a scale of one to shades on, swagged out, tiger walk version of Joe Burrow, Ooh. how confident are you that LSU is going to win it all? Um, I'm as confident, like, I'm as confident that that's going to happen as if you put down a fifth grade algebra test in front of me right now and that I could pass it. Like, I think Ooh, so. I think I, I think I could do it. I think my memory would be jogged, like if it was just basic algebra. But when it came down to it, I wouldn't be bu- willing to put my life savings on it. We'll put it that way. Like That's I again, really I just analogy there. I I mean, have you seen? Like I see like fourth, fifth, and sixth graders uh, um, homework sometimes, and I'm like, bro, it's I'm hard. glad I don't have to do that. Who the hell's it's doing hard, algebra in right? fifth grade? No, seriously. Um, but I, again, guys, I, I look at it as like, I think it's a legit issue. Like, while I think it's a good, uh, it, it, it's, I don't know that they're complete. You know what I'm saying? And I think, I think Clemson has looked complete. I think Ohio State has really looked complete. Now, obviously, we'll know a lot more of them after this week in Penn State and Michigan. But right now, I look at it going, you know what? If there was a, if there was a team that was complete, they would have some issues with it right now. So right. I, I stand firm by by LSU fans. As long as they're not just out of control, crazy LSU fans, I think they all agree they're the third best team in college football right now. Oh, all right, real quick, I'm gonna um, I'll tell our our news team um, to make sure that we get a clip. SEC Network likens winning national championship to taking fifth grade algebra test. We'll make sure that we get that yeah, headline just, in there. Just if, for you. if we can get some clicks on that. If we can get some clicks yeah. on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got it. Okay. Um, so I had a I had what I thought was kind of a spicy take the other day. I'm interested in kind of getting your thoughts on this. Would you sit Grant Delpit the next two weeks it is. and save him for the SEC championship? Um, yeah, well, it just... I'm 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 hedging right now. I definitely sit him for Arkansas, right? I don't think he's right. I think the ankle injury is hurting him a little bit more than he wants to to, to let on, and it's causing him yep. to take bad angles, and it's been a liability, right? So I think you mm-hmm. do that, and then honestly, I think it ends up being just a hey, how do you feel going into A and M game? Because the A and M game is kind of worrisome because this is a team that kind of not necessarily left for dead, but because they didn't get any of the big upsets early. Everybody was like, eh, they're not going to be that great. Well, Jimbo Fisher's quietly got this team where he wants it. Remember, this was a bunch. I mean, it's like 75% of these guys, um, not counting Kellen Mond, but offensively and defensively are a lot of young players who race are, are now developing. And I think they showed that against um, South Carolina. So long-winded way of saying I would absolutely sit those guys against Arkansas. I It's more of a wait and see because – if you go undefeated into the SEC championship game, you're getting it. 
I don't care what happens in chaos. Like you are getting in if, as long as yep. you don't lose by 50 to, to Georgia. So, um, you know, you just cannot afford to lose the A&M game. The A&M game ultimately ends up being more important to LSU than the Georgia game. Interesting. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, all right, that was some really good coach. There, speak. There's we have, your we have take, one more right? question. I mean, there, there's, there's your, there's your, your Twitter headline for the news station. It's like LSU has more on the line against A&M than they would in Georgia. I, I'm still going to go with Peter Burns blames uh, newborn on his, his poor golf game, but that's, that's we could <laughs> that's, we could do several. Um, yeah, you so can hear, we got you one can more hear question him in for the you. Room that, saying that. <laughs> right, uh, and then we'll get you out of here on a on two minute drill here. But you know that was a lot of coach speak. I think we're all we're kind of all openly lobbying for Chiswick to land an eight, like a head coaching job uh, this offseason. <laughs> Say he's hired, <laughs> but he has to bring us, and I mean me and Connor, and then just the whole gang at SC Network on as assistants. Yeah, who has what job? Um, so we got wide receiver coach in um, Doring. That's no, and he would also schedule all the official re- uh, recruiting visits. He's our recruiting okay. coordinator. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he's to make sure the recruits have a good time. Wide receiver coach, he's in. Um, Dari, I feel like Dari would be like the head of like nutrition. Like I, yeah, you know, just a respectable, respectable role. Just make sure, yeah, let's not get kind of crazy. Uh, Dari, make sure everybody hydrates really well. That would be good. Um, listen, Laura Rutledge ends up just being the AD because everything she does is yeah. just incredible. So somehow when Chizik took whatever job he would get, he'd make sure that Laura ends up being the AD. Um, I would be probably the guy behind all the social media and marketing for the team. So I'll, 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 I'll do that. And that's really my only, my only thing. Uh, motivational speech is Tim Tebow. I don't think there's a doubt yep. we'll get Tim to do the motivational speeches. Um, D-line coach Marcus Spears. Um and kind of wealth management, Booger McFarland. I think Booger can be Ooh. one of the guys that can come in and talk to the players about how to, you know, when you're making bajillion dollar of money and um, you become a big television star, how to how to manage your money. You kind of buried the lead there. I think Marler is is definitely the the get the holdback coach. That's 100% that's what, the one thing I didn't want to be. I just I. I, come on. I mean, let's let's be honest here. Like that would be you. And I, feel, a mustache. I feel like there's Marla, I feel like you would do something with the mascot. Like I'm not saying you would well, be the mascot, I, but I feel like you would be part of like mascot relations. You know, like at, at whenever whenever we I mean, find out on the game day, how, hey, uh, where defeating that yeah. is. Yeah, I'm just saying, right, I was just that a nice thing. Maybe we have a really nice mascot. Just so you know. Right? Yeah. No, I mean, I hear you saying it. Just the like when I also hear the words, it doesn't seem very nice. I'll just throw that out there. Um, but have fun at your social media job at this uh, you know hypothetical job here. Moving on, we'll get to two minute drill, and I'm I'm just sad all over again. Uh, we're gonna ask you ten questions. Ten questions, all rapid fire questions. Um, we'll put two minutes on the clock. Are you ready to play? Let's go. Two minutes, go. I'm, I'm still just thrown off by the, the mascot thing. Anyway, two minutes on the clock. Here we go. First question, waking up on a championship game day. What's the first song you're playing to get your mind right? Um, I'm going to go, how about The Movement by Kid Ink, or I'm also going to go Dreams and Nightmare by Meek Mill. Oh, that just gets yes. me. I remember when the Eagles did that in their run into the, the Super yes. Bowl, and it got me pumped up, and I'm not even an Eagles fan. So I'm like, yeah, we'll go Dreams and Nightmare by Meek Mill. That couldn't have been more perfect either because you had Tom Brady at like 45 years old coming out with Crazy Train, and then you have Meek Mill and just Philly. That was awesome. All right, second question here. 
Hire, fire, and wire, as in wire funds for another extension. Um, it's basically kill, Mary blank. Muschamp, yeah. Mason, and Matt Luke. Um, Matt Luke, I'm hiring. Okay. Um, I'm actually... Lee, that's a good one. Um, gosh, Lee, I'm wiring the money, right, to, to Derek Mason so they can spend some money on facilities. And nice. I will... Fire Muschamp, but yeah, I got to give him one more year. And I think finally they they come out there and said, "Hey, listen, <laughs> him and his athletic director, uh, Ray Tanner, and the president have all got on the same boat, saying, hey, 'Hey, we'll be back here for another year.' So uh, I, I I have the opportunity to fire Muschamp, but it's going to be another uh, year because I think he'll have an opportunity to at least redeem himself." I, I just like that you hired Matt Luke. We we developed this lately, and I'm going to throw this out there for you. I want you to grade it. Talking about Matt Luke, Matt Luke, head coach, Ole Miss football. That that's my impression of Matt Luke. I think it's pretty spot on. The third question for you: What's the best SEC personality impression you have? Um, golly, I was gonna say I don't really have any of them. Like I said, because like Dari has this like he doesn't really have a. Um, I don't know if I could do a dorky voice for Greg McElroy. That's the only thing. Guys, you know, I was just when I was playing, and like, I don't even have one. I, just, I, don't, I don't have a real good one. It would be something dorky related for McElroy, um, but I, I, I can't just kind of get there right now. Guys, that hole in one over the weekend, didn't you hear about it? Oh, God. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah, that, that that's was, a solid yeah I'm already annoyed by just you bringing that up, truthfully. <laughs> Some people just aren't cut out to be creative enough to be mascots, Peter. But that's fine. Fourth question. That's true. Go to go to road trip snack. Uh, I recently got way into these um, like these peanut butter like snack mix deals. So I'm all in on that. So give me the peanut butter like snack mix that has like nine different types of peanut butter and chocolate on it. So I'll go with those. Okay. Go to casino game. Um, well, it depends on how much time I have. Normally it's blackjack, but if I've got time to play Texas Hold'em, um, you know, 2-5, no limit, Hold'em, I'm all in on 2-5, no limit, Texas Hold'em at a casino. No craps? Nah, I mean, I'm okay. Like, to me, I just, I feel like I know enough about craps that I could go out there and I'm like, how the hell did I just lose $9,000? Like, why, yeah. why do I have nine ATM receipts, like, trying to you know chase the money that i've lost at least with blackjack i'm like i can maximize my odds and i played a lot of poker growing up so i'm like i'm, I'm at least okay with that but uh no no craps with that attitude uh least favorite golf talk cliche um oh, least different uh least uh, least favorite golf talk cliche i'm greg McElroy and i made a hole in one how about that one? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's worth some points there. Um, all right. First thing you're watching on Disney Plus? Uh, Little Mermaid. I already did that with my daughter, and it was awesome. Like, you know, I hadn't watched Little Mermaid in like 20 some odd years, and she hasn't, she's not old enough yet to actually sit down and watch a movie. And she sat down with me and watched it for like 30 minutes, and it was just one of those like, cool moments and i'm thinking man this this movie was awesome when i was growing up and the fact that you're in on it now is was pretty cool to parenting moment that's pretty awesome Dang. all right we have we have three left here um favorite rap lyric of all time putting you on the spot um mate the weatherman don't even know the storm i'm gonna bring that's a Ooh, pretty good one okay 
I like okay. that. I don't know what um, song it was, but it was that. It just anytime you can get Preacher Mace in here, it's good. I, I met him one time back in the day at Houston's, and he was like, "You know who I am?" And I said, "Mace, man, ain't nothing changed with the limp." And it was probably the coolest thing I've ever done in public. Uh, <laughs> two, besides the two mascot, last questions. Besides the mascot thing you're going to do for for Chiz, yeah. Just still not going to acknowledge that, but yes. Um, okay, worst tweet you've had or take this season. Uh, that Tennessee was going to beat Florida. Um, I oh, listen, I, I was, listen, I, yeah, there were smelling salts and Elmer's glue and I was going through some things in my life at the time, but, uh, yeah, yeah there Hurst we are. That, that was my, that was my worst one. All right. Last but not least, cause you know, I tuned into the show this week. Worst tweet or take that I've had this season. Please be gentle. Um, well, I mean, I think it's easier to go ahead and say best tweet because I still would say none. No, I'm just joking. Ooh, um, okay. I, don't, I am. <laughs> I don't, you know what? I don't think I've seen, like, the reason why I love, like, you and Connor and I have you guys on the show is because I think y'all are, like, legit SEC fans and y'all get it. And, you know, just, you know, you, you know you're like me. Like, you embrace the game. You have fun. And you realize it's not life or death, but it's still pretty damn important. So I think maybe that's why we're all, uh, we're all boys is the fact that we're all kind of on the same page. I mean, I can tell you right now, after this interview, we are not boys as of as of today. But let me add this up real quick. That is a that's a sixty nine. That's a perfect score there, PB. Solid. Nice, nice, very, very nice. PB, I uh, appreciate you coming on. I think we're gonna have to we're gonna, definitely gonna have to meet up in a couple weeks in Atlanta. Here, we'll uh, we'll talk to you about yep. setting that up. But uh, good luck with Fortnite. Good luck with uh, that hole in one quest, and good luck with baby number two. Thanks, man. I'll um, continue to wear a lot of makeup because I'm sleep-deprived on air. So, appreciate the invite, boys. <laughs> Sounds Have good. Going, man. Talk soon. Appreciate PB for coming on and giving Marler a new title, Head of Mascot Relations. He brought up social media, and I thought that was a lock. I was just like, I was walking up to the stage to accept my, my trophy, and no. To be fair, you at least got a position. I didn't get a position. I was going to give myself the like the in-house journalist who writes all the puff pieces and stuff like that. You need that. You need somebody that can tweet out all the positive stats for you in a given week. It's it's an SID role, but it's kind of not. Like sports communication departments are expanding a little bit to now where they have their own in-house reporter. I'd want to do something like that for Chiswick. I could do the puff pieces on him all day. Yeah, I'll just be over there in the corner uh, in just some giant, hot, sweaty costume and just taking nut shots from the, uh, the t-shirt cannon. We could do a podcast with you keeping the mascot head on. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that, that's also good. All right. Uh, before I lose any more confidence, let's get into locks of the week. Let's now, you, it. sir, have not. You've Ugh. been kind of struggling. It's been Badly. fine. It's been fine. I, I have not. I, I've been on fire, and I, I don't care who knows it. I, I said, like, last week, I think I went 11-2 and two or 10-3 and three two weeks ago. You were very good. I went 9-3 and three last week. Nine and three on the things I threw out here yesterday, or I mean last week on, on the podcast. So I really liked both of those 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 cards and those boards. I don't. This one's not great. Not you can great. start. Okay, I'm going to start at a place that I, I think that you're going to have a big problem with. I am going with Penn State plus eighteen and a half to cover at Ohio State. I like that. Which to me, I, I realize that Ohio State has been so dominant. We're talking about a team that has won. Against Power 5 teams by an average of 40 points. 40 points against Power 5 teams. Unbelievable. So my justification for this is 
I think that Justin Fields right now, this is the first time in his career, in a start, where he's going to see athletes galore on the defensive side of the ball. You've talked about the, the, the lack of strength of schedule so far for Ohio State. I think the Wisconsin defense is good. I think it's really good. I think the Michigan State defense is pretty good. They have some really good individual players. Mm -hmm. It's different when you're looking across that side of the ball. You've got four- and five-star guys rushing at you off the edge, proven guys. And Penn State is loaded, absolutely loaded with that. Gross Matos, uh, Shaka Tony, Micah Parsons. These guys are very, very good. They have SEC speed. They absolutely do. Yeah. So Fields didn't play that well against Mich Michigan State and Wisconsin. Go back and look at the numbers. Go back and watch that game. It was not his finest hour. It was not. I think we'd be talking about him in the Heisman conversation differently if he had played even better in those games. He did not. Right. Everybody has sort of written off Penn State. And I like this team to come in with a chip on their shoulder. I'm not saying they're going to win outright or anything like that. But the assumption right now <coughs> is that Ohio State is going to dominate me. with the return of Chase Young. Yeah. And as great of a player as he is, maybe it takes him a little bit to get up to speed. Ohio State has not had to play a four-quarter game yet with anybody. Penn State's going to push him. Penn State's going to be able to do some things with, with that Ohio State offense that I think is going to get them a little bit befuddled early on. And things aren't going to come as easy to them. Three straight years of down-to-the-wire games that they've had, and Penn State has blown fourth-quarter leads in the last two. And then you go back to 2016 when Penn State beat them. Ohio State still got to go to the playoff. All those things. Penn State is going to come out ready to go. I think they cover plus 18.5. Yeah, I like that. Um, you talk about that, that Ohio State. Well, I mean, the, I love the fact that the, the first half line is back down to 10 points, so it's like reasonable. Um, I, I will say this that um, the strength of schedule is there for Ohio State, but when you look at like really breaking down, like you, you brought up, they have not seen a defense like this. Michigan State, Wisconsin, good defenses. The average rank in total defense for Ohio State's opponents this season is 84th. They've played one team with a top 40 defense. So, you know, I think they're an elite team. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, after not facing a lot of stiff competition and then having to face Penn State uh, and an angry Penn State with their backs against the wall as well. So um, let's see. My locks of the week, I'm not as as confident as you are on on this week's this week's card. There's nothing that really jumps out to me. Then I'm like, yeah, got to have that. Let me ask you this. Minnesota minus seven first half. At Northwestern, sleepy stuff. Northwestern's awful. Northwestern's so bad. I almost put that in for lock of the week, and then I deleted it because we don't know if Tanner Morgan, their starting quarterback, is going to play concussion symptoms. So that's kind of the big thing that's throwing everybody off because I guarantee you if the average person looked at that line, they'd say, Minnesota, only a 13.5-point favorite for the game at Northwestern? Yeah. Northwestern? And Northwestern's awful. Northwestern is one of the worst teams in the score points. Um, so I, I still like that seven in the in the first half. I'll start with this. Oregon State. There it is. Plus ten and a half. Oregon State, they had an outright win last week against Arizona State, Utah's biggest win of the season. Oregon State is seven and two uh, against the spread in their last nine games, and they have covered all four games on the road this season. Ten and a half points for Wazoo. I, I think it's way too high. They're they're three and six in their last nine games against the spread as well. I'm going to take Oregon State. I'm going to take Southern Miss. Uh, probably the second best win of the season for Alabama. Brett Favre. Southern Miss. Uh, money. Don't bring that up. Um, <laughs> Southern Miss money line. They're going to be Western Kentucky, who's been really good, especially against the spread. It's a home game for Southern Miss. I, I think they're a better football team than people give them credit for. I'm taking them money line. UAB. What? Wait, you're betting against Story of a Hurl. Yeah, without a doubt. <sighs> Just things have changed. trying to make money here, bro. Um, I will take UAB. Don't sleep, well. <laughs> Don't sleep on the Blazers. Don't sleep on the Blazers ever. Let's see here. Uh, Oregon. 
Oregon in the first half, only a seven-point favorite. Uh, they're actually only a 14-point favorite overall in this game this weekend uh, against Arizona State. I know it's on the road, but Arizona State's been pretty bad. I mean, just like really bad. They haven't covered in the last four games. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take Oregon to cover seven points in the first half. I think that's that's pretty reasonable. I'm going to take Utah to cover 10.5 in the first half and the full game line at 20.5 uh, against Arizona. Kevin Sumlin, I'm just going to shock you, he's not been great in November so no way. Utah has covered their last six in a row. Um, they've also they are seven and two in their last nine games against the spread uh, as as a road team. They've won and covered in the last three games here, and and someone again he's two and eight this season against the spread. They're they're bad. Oh, so bad. I will take that. What else do I have here, Connor? Um, I like I like Oklahoma State uh, first half money line and, and and full game money line as well. And then I will close with this. I'll let you choose. The under in Mizzou, Tennessee at 45 and a half, or the over in Navy SMU, uh, 33 points in the first half. I'm going to say the under. I don't know enough about Navy's offense to, to make an accurate prediction. The answer is I'm taking SMU both. Offense. I'm taking both, and also I'm adding one more too. Guys, last one, I swear, last lock of the week. This is actually a really good one. Boston College and Notre Dame, first half, 30 and a half points. Boston College... They, they are a top 20 first half offense, but they're also one of the, the 10 worst defenses in the first half. Um, it should be a lot of points in the first first half of that game. Remember when you were saying, oh, I don't really, um, I'm not as confident this week. You just threw out about a dozen games for a lock of the week. Yeah, I'm probably reaching. Reaching. That's we'll good. That was we'll a lot. That was a lot. Uncle Chris is going to be coming uh, at everybody's TV, or not TV, but uh, computer screens on Saturday morning to yeah. go over all those locks of the week as well. Let's do fourth and wrong. Yeah, so I thought originally we were we were gonna have a lot more time for you this. You always like, think we're gonna have a lot more time, yeah. and I'm always like, no, we're gonna we're gonna have plenty. Don't worry, don't worry. So we'll we had it. we have eight, but we're not gonna do eight. We'll do five. That's that's way more reasonable. Okay, right? that's fine. Okay, uh, first question from Sarthak Sharma: If you could have any one animal or thing be a mascot for you, who or what would you pick? <laughs> oh, the timeliness of that question. Thank you, Sarthak, for doing that. Um, he didn't know. He had no idea that Peter Burns was going to call you uh, mascot. Everyone's out to get me. Um, Siberian Husky would be for me. That'd be what I would want. Um, loyal, just just grinds. Can has you know grinds? a lot of endurance. Did you say a Husky grinds. Yeah, they do. Okay. They go on those long rides. <clears throat> they just don't get winded. They're extremely loyal. They've got you know the big layer of fur to stay warm. I'm a pretty hairy guy. Sorry, people don't need that visual necessarily. Um, yeah, you don't need to know that, but. Huskies are just, they're, they're a very respectful, quiet, well-behaved person that just, or not person, but dog, that just goes to work. And I, can, I don't even know what I'm talking about this more, anymore, but Siberian Husky would make a lot of sense, I think, for me and something that I've always kind of envied. I've thought about the idea of having a Siberian Husky one day, too. But you can, you can accomplish all these goals and dreams that you've, you've just said. You just you, go, you go make get it, one of those. You make it sound so easy. Come I on, promise. Um, I would go with the koala. They're adorable. Like they're. I tell you what, if if like if you haven't ever just stared at how just GD adorable a koala is, I guarantee you, if there was one college team that had that as their mascot, it would be the key to getting. If your if your girlfriend or whoever doesn't like college ball, they would they would tune in just for that. Tell you how tough of a sell is that from a marketing standpoint? Everyone loves koalas. How how? But to make a koala look intimidating. You have to make it intimidating. Football. Just make it look adorable. It's like the, the pink locker room in Iowa. 
Listen, yeah, I'm the they... expert on mascots, so shut up. Yeah, exactly. From now on, mascot coordinator. Unbelievable. Uh, I don't know if I have an answer for this next one, so let's... Uh, you know what? Favorite sports book. Yeah. Scoreboard Baby. I've said this many times. If you are not aware of the early 2000s Washington team with Rick Neuheisel... Oh, yeah. Go, go read Marcus that book. Marcus Sopo. Yes, fantastic book. Uh, you'll realize by the end of it that Jeremy Stevens is not a good person and should be in jail yeah. for a very long time. Uh, Hope Solo as well, not good human beings. So she's not mentioned that. in that book. That's later on. But um, that book is fantastic. I've read that cover to cover probably three different times, I think. Just really interesting, insightful background. Is it better than the movie? Uh, the, there's there is no scoreboard baby movie, but there should be, and it would probably be better than the movie. I mean, I, I think it would be. The book is that good. It's just a lot of great insight as to why Rick Neuheisel, not the best person in the world, had a lot of things going on in his program that he definitely covered up, and just really good reporting and journalism. I'm very very into that. It makes you look at college football a different way. Um, so the science of hitting, I would say, it was probably one of my favorites. I, I used to read it before every yeah, like, like I would read it before every baseball season. It always like get me geared up. It also just proved that he like was a terrible teacher, but just like one of the greatest hitters of all time. Like, hey, aim for the bottom half of the baseball. You got it, like, Ted. I, sure, absolutely. Um, also, I would say my, probably my absolute favorite is the courting of Marcus Dupree, uh, which is just it, it's a great story um, about Marcus Dupree, the the running back who came in came out like right around. You guys have heard me talk about him before, right around the time of uh, of Bo and Herschel, like towards the end of their their careers, and he was. From what, everything I've heard, he was better than better than both. He was the the thirty for thirty, the greatest that ever was. It's a yep. really really cool story. Um, so that would be mine. Let's see here. I rewatched an old George Carlin stand up the other day, and I started to wonder if you could bring back one comedian, who would it be? George Carlin. Zach? Really? You like yeah. you like George Carlin? Yeah. I, back in the day, like freshman year of college, I watched so many George Carlin YouTube clips. Um, yeah, he goes on the rants about names, Todd and Tucker. These are not real names. And he would then also say um, how, you know, in football, they play at places like Soldier Field. and baseball, they play at a park. And I always, right. like, he always had this, this great tone. But George Carlin is a legend, man. He's really, really good. That's, you know what? I, I respect that, Connor. I did, I did not think that was going to be your answer. Um, I, so mine would be Gior, uh, I'm sorry, Greg Giraldo, which is kind of like, Obviously not like as famous of a name. Hipster comedian you. No, no. He just like when I when I first I used to love watching stand up comedy and and he was one of the first guys I watched like him do like a, a thirty minute special on, on Comedy Central and I just I like I, I watched it and rewatched it and rewatched it. He was one of my favorites, uh, you know, when I first started getting into it, especially. He had some joke about like how unrealistic the Titanic was, and he was like, Everyone thinks it's like the greatest love movie or love story of all time. It's about two teenagers that met on a vacation and they knew each other for like three days. It's like you just you know see get married like for like five years and something like that works out like get in the GD boat Rose it was, it's hilarious <laughs> um, okay biggest pet peeves in traffic that's from Marshall Perkins acknowledge my existence don't cut off my lane of oh. traffic and just not have your turn signal on or you're just doing it blocking even more people acknowledge that there are a lot of other people around you trying to get to the same exact place we're all probably going to a game or something like that people that just have no respect for the people around them they cut off people they don't put on their turn signal you know they they, they don't pay attention to when they should be going like yeah. you know when everybody starts moving and they're like sitting on their phone absorbed oh just the worst yeah. um that's yeah I, I agree with that and florida has like some of the worst drivers ever yes we do I, I will, so mine is, and this is like a recent fad, is Uber drivers who think that because they are an Uber driver, 
that they can just do whatever they want and not have to abide by any any rules or laws of the road. Like, what do you mean? They, I thought they could. Uh, this it blows my mind because like you basically just want a job where you can work from home and it's, and it's a great job. Like I, I drove for Uber once, uh, you know. But you're in a Toyota Corolla, okay? You're not in like a cop car or an ambulance. There's no reason for you to pull off, like, not even off the side of the road, but, like, still in a lane, put on your hazards and just chill. Blows my mind that, that, that people think that's okay. Don't watch um, a Stuber. Don't watch that movie. You won't like it. It's a lot oh, of really? Oh, it's God. pretty good, actually. It's, it's I hate fun. it. Uh, let's see here. This is from Joey Ahorndink. Probably said that wrong. Um, outside of working for SDS, what's the coolest or most enjoyable job you've ever had? I brought it up on the podcast before, but the summer I got to spend interning at the Baseball Hall of Fame was just once in a lifetime. I mean, three months in Cooperstown, Ron Sano getting inducted that summer, diehard Cubs fan, just type of stuff you don't forget, type of people that walk through that place on a given day, type of history that you're surrounded with, and some of the opportunities that we got during that. I mean, just... Fantastic. I have two two buddies that I was that I interned with that I'm still like very good friends with to this day, even though I spent three months with them. But we always bring up stuff about that, and um, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's hard to get much better than that. I've been very fortunate to get some cool opportunities, but that's that's top of the list for me. Well, really, gonna rain on my parade. I was gonna say, uh, so this actually was like a, a pretty big godsend, I think, and blessing too, is because it happened right as I got fired from Houston's, and I, I was a. MC uh, for the Saturday tailgate at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, which basically like I would show up from 12 to 4 and they had like just a giant, a giant projection screen. And it's like in like the area where they have like the field goal and like all the games and stuff. And I would just walk around with the mic and talk to people, make jokes about people like, you know, just give away koozies and, and just basically do that for like four hours. And there's a Chick-fil-A right there. I could eat Ooh, yeah, whatever I wanted window, yeah. and then watch like, you know, whatever games are on. And like the pay was great. It was, it was a lot of fun too. Cause like, hanging out at the hall of fame. I love the hall of fame. Um, it's like one of the few museums I feel like you can continue to go to and see something new every time. So both and, of ours are at hall of fames. Yeah. Well, I mean, Halls I think of fame to be different than that, then I would say when I, when I got to, when I got to work in the summers, um, cause I paid for college, and like, so instead of playing like baseball and like summer ball, I would go down to the Bahamas and work at my aunt and uncle's restaurant in Nassau on Cable Beach. And so for like two months straight, I would work like, I don't know, 60 hours a week and it's all tax free money. Um, and then it was just, and it was awesome. Like I looked like an idiot because of what I had to wear and I was the only guy on staff and obviously the only white person, but it was a blast, man. It was a lot Over of Over under 1.5 different puka shell necklaces that you had and wore that summer. Absolutely never, ever had a puka shell necklace. Never? Ever. No, absolutely Dude, even not. Even I had one. Come on. I'm sure you did. Um, okay, last question here. What's the worst story that your family tells you every year at the holidays, uh, the one you desperately wish wasn't true? That's from David Hill. All right, so my aunt, bless her heart, but she likes her bourbon. She does. Good old, uh, good old Aunt Judy. Shout out to her. I know she's listening up there in, uh, in Door County, Wisconsin right now. No, she multiple times has tried to tell the story of my brother's conception. Oh, I God. kid you not. She gets cut off every time she does like it. When you, when insists, like when you talk about a dream inside of a dream? No, 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 no. Oh, the bad con- one, okay. Con- conception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't look, look that word up, kids. You know what it means. Um, she has tried to explain that, and the second time that she did it, my mom sort of cut her off and then told my brother and I, like, yeah, like, not true, not true, not true. I've never gotten down to the, the final details, but she what? has always kind of, like, thrown it out there. And when she gets on that role, you just you, you got to just cut bait and just try and get out of that conversation any way possible. Why would she Leave the keep room. Trying to bring it up because 
she likes her bourbon. That's not like a, hey, let's watch a documentary. This is how paper's made. Yeah, some people just don't operate like that. I, you know, we love her to death, don't get me wrong, but she just has something, something else click in her brain where she says, this is a good time to discuss this, and it never is. I mean, this one is difficult for me because like, there's just so many stories of you know, like getting all A's or making the dean's list or just you know, mm-hmm. heroics on the baseball field. Um, no, none of that at all. So I would say there's probably two. There's one like when I, I took a semester off of school and went and like lived at home in Columbia. And the last night before I had to move back, I was the I was like 23, and you know I also like my bourbon. We went out um, with like a bunch of my friends from there as like the last hurrah. And I remember starting the night with two cola cabs um, from Wet Willies, which is like grain alcohol slushies. I had two to start the night, and I just remember coming back the next day, and like my mom is like kind of tearing up. She's like, you know, her baby boy is going back to school. And she comes out on the on the front patio, and I am on all fours in the broad daylight, just throwing up in the front yard. And she's like, she just, oh, it was the most disappointed I have ever. She goes, oh, Chris. Um, so she'll bring that up all the time. Like, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go to the store. She's like, don't get any alcohol, because you know how you get. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one is in, that was also alcohol-related. When I was just a douchebag in college, and I don't know why I thought this was a good idea, especially twice, but I broke both of my hands. Both of my hands from being an idiot and punching a wall and not at the same night, like learn, like should have learned the lesson. I was like, no, no, I got one good one left. Um, Wait, so that story gets brought up the holidays. Cause I lied to my mom about it. Cause I was so embarrassed. And so yeah. the first, I broke my, my, my right, uh, what do you call it? My right hand. I didn't have health insurance. And so and my hand was swollen. I was like, I'm sure it's fine. Whatever. Cause I like, you know, I was just like really drunk the night before, whatever. I waited a week to go to the hospital, and when I finally went to the hospital and got an x-ray, the bone was split in half and, on, and like, lying on top of each other. So I was like, I'm sure it's fine. So the second time that it happened, I, like, was like, jeez, oh, there's no excuse for it. It's so dumb. And broke both of them, and I remember telling my mom after it was the second time, I was like, she said, did you punch a wall? And I was like, no, I was playing Ultimate Frisbee, and, <laughs> and I felt awkwardly. I don't know what happened. I don't, it's just really weird. And she's like, okay, and, and like, by the way, I'm, I'm telling her I'm playing Ultimate Frisbee at like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> and she just, they just didn't say anything. And then finally one year at Christmas, they were like, you know what? I'm so thankful for this. By the way, Chris, real quick, are you ever going to just go ahead and tell us the truth about you punching that wall? Because we know you did. I was like, yeah, all right. Pass it's like uh, this, the, the story that you tell about how you broke the bed and Allie knew that. <laughs> knew that it, oh, yeah. She definitely called I, you out. She's like, by the way, I know you broke the bed. I don't think I'd share that story with anybody on the podcast. But yes, thank you for bringing that up. I think you brought it up before. I think Did you I? Okay. What time? Yeah. Um, you were chasing queso around, and yeah, she she called you out for it essentially. All right, we've got it. Might mean too much. Um, this was sent in to us from at Maddie Mock, not the Matt Monty, Maddie Mock, but a Maddie Mock. Um, so news came out that an Auburn assistant basketball coach, uh, Marquise Daniel, was involved in a car crash. Um, so an Arkansas fan who on Twitter is at uh, Johnny Jameson fourteen, he tweeted that news at a recruit. Chris Moore. We know what we think about tweeting at recruits, all that stuff. So that the recruit had committed to Auburn a day earlier. So he tweeted at this recruit. He said, dang, and then he mentioned the recruit's handle, uh, you better transfer to Arkansas after this news, program-changing news. Imagine being the guy who's like, oh, yeah, this guy was in a car crash. Now is my time to tweet at this Right. Recruit. Or also imagine on the other side being – sitting yourself saying, you know what? This guy was 64 followers. He makes a lot of sense. 
maybe I should really decide my, my college decision based on what he's telling me because I, I don't know. I mean, this there's is, so this many is things that had to, had to happen like throughout his like thought process, like one step followed by another step that never like neither step, none of the steps should have ever been completed. And he's like, you know what? It is a good idea. Take time to type it. Take time to press send and then just sit back and enjoy. Love it. <clears throat> we've got, uh, do we want to do, we've got five. No, five we're not doing five star reviews because somebody called queso fat. Whoa. That was, uh, but it was a five star review. So, I mean, I think we still yeah, got to. We'll read it, we'll read it next week. Left. All right. We'll, we'll get to five star reviews next week. Sorry. Uncle Chris is, is not having it. Uh, the mascot talk. You are not a mascot in the eyes of us. We respect you. You are a respected analyst. They say so on TV. You are way more <clears> than a mascot. I'm giving you a pump up speech right now. I Maybe appreciate I should have that. the title. Move yeah. over, Timbo. I'm going to be the pump up guy for Chiswick's team. Gosh, I really want Chiswick to be a head coach. I really do. I'm just going to come out and say it. Same. He needs to be a head coach. Make sure that you watch Uncle Chris on Facebook Live Saturday morning, Tuesday night after the playoff show. How many people did you have at, uh, in the Facebook Live after the playoff show? Not that many uh, last night for some reason. It was like about 7,000. Okay. We had, like, we had 12 or something like that last week. Get it up to 10, 12. If somebody big loses this weekend, I feel like that always kind of determines the interest in the poll and all that stuff. Um, make sure that you are following us on all forms of social media at Pot, at Vern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara. Follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Make sure that you have joined our Facebook group and you are not an Ohio State fan trying to infiltrate our Facebook group. There's no place for that. We are just going to do whatever we can to move on from that. No, no, you can join if you're an Ohio State fan. Just don't invite a million different Ohio State right. fans and try and take it over. This is a private group for a reason, so make sure that you definitely do that. All right, Marla, Uncle Chris, Matt Luke, Coach Joe, whoever we've got there, Queso, whatever mascot you came up with for yourself, what do we got to remember? I'll tell you what, Queso's beautiful no matter what he looks like. It might mean Amen. too much. Talk to you guys after this weekend.